Welcome to the Nick and Matt Show. Bringing the player interviews you want to hear and the hot topics you want to discuss. Recording live in studio, here's Nick and Matt. Whoa. I don't know if you saw what just happened, <laughs> but the screen just started like doing crazy graphics and now it's saying Nick's supposed to be here and I think it's supposed to be Evan because Nick, if you saw the intro, is not here. He's late with work. So Evan, how's it going? It is going pretty good. Yeah, craziness. It feels like a Monday. Yeah, there's it there is was a disc golf this weekend to talk about, but like there wasn't the the big disc golf pro tour to talk about. So it feels different. I don't know. It's the off season already. It came quick, uh, but we still have some goodies. Yeah, you said it felt like Monday. It is Monday, Evan. <laughs> oh no, I yeah, I understand. It feels like Monday. It truly feels <laughs> yeah, like a there Monday. There you go. Yeah. There you go. We did a show on a Tuesday recently, and oh, that felt like a Monday right. as well. Okay, that that so, makes sense why you're you're highlighting that. So yeah, that's pretty funny though. The way it started out, just like highlighting, and then Nick is not here. I you know that wasn't intentional. It's kind of a last minute thing, and I didn't change up the uh, intro. But we do have a fair amount to talk about. First of all, you can see on the screen here, Cosmic Disc Golf, sponsor of this episode, 162. They have incredibly cool stamped discs with their cool Cosmic logo. Uh, I'm not wearing it right now. I wear it so often. In fact, Evan, on your head, it's always one of us. Uh, yeah, I'm wearing uh, the new hat they were debuting yeah. at the MVP Open. Honestly, really comfy. And it has a little bit of a Raiders feel, which not trying to rep the Raiders, but I do think it's cool colors. Yeah, so Cosmic Disc Golf, thanks to them, uh, Dave from Cosmic. And I'd be interested in an update on Stafford Woods. I think it's going to be in limbo in, in the courts or the government for a little bit, but that was a big, he's a big proponent of Stafford Woods, that whole petition that a lot of people signed, um, saying save the course there in New Jersey. All right, uh, Evan. So the offseason has officially begun. Before we get into recaps of like the last things that happened, just for some small talk here, something up in the Northeast, really New England, but we do include New York in this. It's called New England Winter Team Challenge because up here in the Northeast, we can't really, you can, but you don't really play rated tournaments, uh, PDGA tournaments throughout the whole winter because it's crazy it's snow and freezing ice and everything else but that started are you on a new england disc golf team a, a team challenge team no i am not okay you know i cool idea i don't want you to explain it to people but I, yeah just haven't really it hasn't been my man thing. i i feel like that is exactly up your alley like i feel like that is like an evan kearns like thing like you would be you could be a captain you'd plan out all the matches and you'd play the strategy to win your games <laughs> yeah cool stuff I, you know i'm a skier and okay i'm also a fair weather disc golf okay. so when you combine those two it's like when it's snowing like it's that january match and you're like it just snowed like six inches and it's still actively snowing I last thing I want to do is play disc golf. If I'm being completely honest, what I want to be doing is, is sludging up uh, to get to a mountain to go skiing. And I'd much rather do that. So it, it's, it's picking your choice. And I know it doesn't always snow every time you play team challenge. No, but, it uh, doesn't. And I you, want to pick the days I play disc golf, but I, I think it's a cool idea. So I'm not you have, knocking the idea. It just doesn't fit the best for me. You already have a course reaching out saying you should play for them. 
uh, Westy Acres. Hey, so if there was a team I play for, Westy would be one at the of the top, of, the top of the list. Okay. Yeah. So uh, for the people who are like, what is New England team challenge? I'll give you the 32nd version. Every course, a lot, well over, I think 1500 people now are doing this, but every course in New England pretty much has a team that they put together consisting about 20 players, some FPO or some female and some men. Um, and they go head to head. They have home courses, neutral courses, and away uh, matches, and it's all sc- scheduled out. There's divisions A, B, C, D, or pools, if you want to call them that, but divisions A, B, C, D, E, F. I think we're really far now, and there's eight teams in each. And if you win your division, you move up. The top two move up. If you lose in your division, the bottom two, you go down. And so it's super competitive at the A uh, division level. Um, and that's a lot of fun. And I just brought all this up just as a segue to say I got my 10th ace, Evan. My 10th ace happened at a New England team challenge uh, event at the Cape uh, at Burgess Park. It was a forehand ace, which is a first for me, Evan. A Sexton Firebird forehand ace. Probably only about... 250 feet, but hey, it felt good. Hey, that's right in your wheelhouse. Just absolutely that amount. Otherwise, you're going back in. <laughs> I, I, I will say before we wrap up Team Challenge, I love that it has promotion relegation. As a soccer fan, yes, I geek out about that stuff. So I do think it's cool and it's kind of a fun year to year thing. Absolutely. And, and it's, yeah, anyways, it's match play and doubles. It's a great, 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 great time. I was in the rain this last one. It wasn't snow, but it's a great time. And it keeps me active in disc golf. This is actually one of our topics later. Like, what is your off-season, especially if you're in an area that gets cold or snowy, right? And that's not everywhere, not all of our listeners, that's for sure. But just generally off-season, does it change up uh, your activities in disc golf? And that it's a question for everybody in the chat or anywhere. Some might say no. Like, I live in Florida or I live, you know, somewhere around the world where it's fine all the time. That's great. But uh, if it changes for you, even if it's like, hey, there's no more tour events. Now I get extra rounds in every day or who knows? Let us know what you do. Um, Evan. So they disc golf, the disc golf pro tour championship finale, the final event happened. They gave away loads of money, $300,000 plus. And then there was still an event streaming on disc golf network. I know that's one of the events you're going to talk about. Um, And then we can talk about, are there going to be live events throughout the rest of the year? We are not affiliated with DGN specifically, but I think it's interesting that we have a network for disc golf. And I'm pretty sure based off the ads I saw, live coverage as far as maybe not round, you know, stroke play, but there's going to be live stuff to watch always. But let's jump into before Johnny McRae's interview in about 12 minutes, let's jump into some of the recaps. Listen, you might've had to dig deep for some of this, but just let's go. What do you got? Uh, All right. Well, let's start with the Andalusia open, which was the PDGA Euro tour championship. We talked about the Euro tour all year. It's the, the PDGA's tour throughout Europe, as you could guess by the name. They had their championship, so it, you had to qualify to play uh, in the tournament, similar to the Disc Golf Pro Tour championship, but not quite the same uh, high payouts. Um, but we saw it over in Spain. I actually don't know where. I don't know if Andalusia is the city, to be honest. Um, but it was at a course in Spain. And if I'm being honest, it looked very similar to the Memorial out in uh, Arizona, had a super uh, similar feel, uh, you know, looked like beautiful weather, but it was a little bit windy uh, in a kind of open park style with sidewalks and, you know, all that fun stuff. Uh, it did have a lot more trees than I would say the Memorial generally has, um, but it was a super cool course. Um, it was fun to watch. It looked like an enjoyable uh compared to like what finland's probably experiencing now it's probably a little bit chillier than it is here they're gearing up for winter so getting out to spain for a tournament sounds pretty pleasant although it did have really high winds in round one 
and then they had to go shotgun uh, start in round three uh, to avoid a tougher storm or a lot more wind. I'm not sure exactly what was happening, but they had to um, make it end quicker. So they did shotgun start. But- Speaking of wind, yesterday was extremely windy here just outside of Ma- oh, at Maple Hill and just outside of it. I got in a filmed round with ADK discs. You can check them out on YouTube. They just did the premiere of nine front nine with me and my son playing doubles. It's really fun, but it was so windy, Evan. So windy. Like, my it was just crazy anyway so i i can relate to like everything changes i'm not a pro but it was windy that's it stands out to me <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh so it, it may not have been the strongest field that the andalusia open um but it was still a, a fairly competitive european field we saw silver lot get the win that's his first euro tour win since 2019 i believe uh let me just switch over tabs to pull it up because i had it to start um <laughs> Yeah, his first Euro Tour win since 2019 and his second of his career in MPO. So it's been a while wow. for Silver Lot at this level. What was, win, the, of course. what was the cash take home? Um, let me switch over one more. I know you had um, it. They do not have it posted yet. Uh-oh. So that's so it was either side. it was either a lot or not a lot. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> there you go. That's a good joke. <laughs> you had to set yourself up for that one. I didn't do You know how favors. long I set myself up for that one? But I was waiting for the number and I'm like, got to roll with it. <laughs> yeah. So, and, I mean, you could also say he, he didn't finish second. He didn't get the silver. He didn't he get the, the silver. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, uh but he gets the win. Uh I believe it was wire to wire. He was at least leading into the final round. Um, just barely, but ends up with a three-stroke win. Over an FPO, we only saw four players in the division, uh, but still a quality win for Silva Sarin, who now has picked up her fifth Eurotor win of the season. Uh, she didn't have a Eurotor win coming into the season, yet had got five now. She won four in a row earlier in the season, um, which was the first time someone won four in a row since Kristen Tatar did in 2019 uh, on the Eurotor stage. Uh, and then now she ties Kristen, who had five total in 2019. Um, so one of only two players in MPO or FPO to get five Euro Tour wins on a season. Uh, so great for her. She came over to the U.S., finished sixth at Worlds. Uh, she's up for the Rookie of the Year race, which you know we might talk about awards later if we have time. Uh, so she is in the running for that, but gets a win out in Spain. Where, where uh, is it on UDIS or somewhere else? I don't even remember who she's sponsored by. Is it Latitude or Discmania? Or I don't even know. I haven't oh. looked it up. You know, I or is she a free agent? Dun dun dun. I, don't know. I actually don't know. I my I feel like for some reason I'm thinking latitude, but I don't know if that's correct. That's what I said. But, I mean, I just feel like. But uh, I am I'm pretty look sure it up. whether she's uh, sponsored or not that it was a one year deal because I think I heard some rumors that she was uh, talking with some manufacturers, mm. um, and I think the rumor I heard and just saw around was yeah she was you know, talking or throwing in of a disc, something like that. I don't really know. There's not a lot of weight to that. Cause I just uh, saw a comment about it, mm-hmm. um, but that would make sense. Finland, you think about the best two uh, women in Finland, it's Evelina Sound and Hemel Bombers and they throw in of a disc. I'm trying to click on her right now and you disc and usually they'll have their sponsor, right? If I click on the profile. Yeah. If they, if they've tracked it, it's just, I believe it's just someone putting it in there. Um, I do not see it. No. So maybe, I don't know. Someone in the chat will know. 
Yeah, and we'll see as the offseason goes on if uh, she uh, re-signs with this mystery sponsor or if she uh, does uh, find a new sponsor for next season. Uh, to move on, though, wanted to cover the uh, Gatekeeper Media Presents uh, Downey's Players Cup. I would assume Gatekeeper is going to publish some videos if they're sponsoring the, uh, sponsoring the tournament. Uh, but it was an exciting finishes in both MPO and FPO. Uh, Matt, you want to flip it over to me? Oh, sorry. sorry. I, I <laughs> Glad you caught see, that. Oh, yeah, now I'm going you, to Nick. See, I've got a lot going I on. I see here. you working on things. You know, know I've got guests have, I'm lining up. Uh, so, yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah. So, uh, Grady Shoe wins an MPO and an FPO Paige Shoe wins uh, the husband and wife combo. Uh, both win, both by a single stroke. Uh, exciting finishes in both. I heard they had big putts on the uh, 18th hole. So, Again, I'm assuming Gatekeeper is going to cover it. If they are, that'll be a fun watch out in North Carolina. Um, a cool stat, if you think that this is the first time that Grady and Shu and Paige Shu win the same event together in MPO and FPO, uh, it's actually the second time they won an event last year. Let me pull it up real quick. Uh, the 2022 Queen City Gambit they won as well. Um, as an MPO FPO duo. So very cool for them. Uh, moving it over to Oklahoma. Uh, we signed eight tier, the Oklahoma, Oklahoma open and want to mention that Joel Freeman won that. So, uh, a player who top pro already playing events. It's not quite the off season yet. Um, getting the win out there. Uh, that is now the 12th U S state that Joel Freeman has earned a win in. Uh, that's tied for 30th most all time in MPO. Neat little fact there. Um, Want to swing it to, you mentioned Maple Hill, Matt. Let's talk about Maple Hill. They saw the Massachusetts Grand Prix. They're going to recognize the sponsor because it gets announced all the time on the Pro Tour events. The sponsor of this Grand Prix Tour is who? Sunstein Law. Sunstein, yeah, LLC. Oh, LLP, excuse me. Oh, oh sorry. Just Sun, Not the law. So maybe that's, you know, it's a little law shoot. protectors. <laughs> I don't know what LLP stands for, but I'm sure these. I'm sure they do, <laughs> and they did it on purpose. They're like, <laughs> and it is perfect <laughs> and on purpose to be that. But yeah, they run the Sun Series, Sun Scene Series. Oh my goodness, sorry for that tongue twister. That's on me. Uh, <laughs> the they, uh, yeah, they run that all year long. Uh, you can find the standings on statmander.com, which is very cool. You can track that. Um, they have their finale where the top eight in MPO, FPO, MA1, and FA1 all play at Maple Hill. They play a round and then the top four advance to play in the final round and uh, pretty solid payouts. We saw Harry Chase win an MPO. Who that? Uh, we know who he is. So uh, we have had him on the show. He was at Matt's backyard uh, barbecue. And Anansa's video. You saw plenty of him. And he's on my new England team challenge team. So look at that. He's also in the chat too. So oh, and, and uh, he's in the chat. This guy's everywhere. What's up? Oh, Harry? Hey, uh, Steve from Sunstein's in the chat. He said limited liability partnership. <laughs> That's interesting. It's so, so how funny. that legally differs from a <laughs> limited liability corporation and LLC. I have zero. Clue. I'm sure they know exactly what they're doing. There's smart people over there. Um, maybe we should get some help for the Nick and Matt show. I'm sure yeah, we, but, we've got a lot of problems uh, over here. Harry wins the Massachusetts Grand Prix. Um, that's his first time winning this event. He won two Sunstein Series events during the season, so this is his third. And FPO Carly Sharon um, wins it. Um, she, oh, I have all the stats. Hold up, Sorry. Carly, another local here. She she has finished first or second at every event she's played this year, except for the World Championships where she played up in Vermont. So good season for her. Gets the win at the Mass Grand Prix. 
DD sponsored, good person. Just, yeah, fantastic. Absolutely. And MA1, we have a back-to-back winner. Uh, friend of the show, I think him and Ben are buddies, I believe, but uh, Nicholas Patchen, he won an MA1 last year and wins again this year. Matt, I know you've talked about before, do MA1 players ever have to move up or they just get to, uh, it's the highest amateur division. They play forever. I'm not saying it's anything. It's a Patreon towards, topic. Uh, Patreon topic. Nick over there. Um, I, so it's cool to see, but I know that brings up a fun topic. So that's why I wanted to mention it. I still think I feel the same. I still think and, people uh, wonder what that is, but we'll leave that for another time. Yeah. And to wrap it up, Elizabeth, I, I don't know if I'll get this right. Cypar, Sipper, Cypar, Good guess. a lot of different ways it probably could be pronounced. Matt, I don't know if you know her. She's from Worcester. She wins an FA one. So apologies I don't actually. on pronunciation. And, um, and if I have met, I apologize, but yeah, no, I don't recognize the name. But uh, really cool to see. I know the Gradius media team was in the area. So mm-hmm. um, maybe that'll be on their channel. Again, I don't know the exact details, but it would be a fun watch. Always any competition in Maple Hill is good in my book. Uh, then to wrap it up before we bring on Johnny McRae. Uh, but speaking of Johnny McRae, he wins the Disc Golf Masters Tour finale, which was at North Cove. Uh, he wins it in MP50. Uh, he won by six strokes. although. Guy who came in second place went 12 down uh, yeah, to finish three down overall I saw that. in the final round. <laughs> Put on a heater, but wasn't enough to catch Johnny McRae. Uh, in MP40, we saw Tony Farrow, who I don't know if you've heard his name before. I've uh, heard it. I've seen him come up. He's from Switzerland. And he won the Disc Golf Masters Tour finale in North Carolina. <laughs> I think that's pretty interesting. He's, he's come over to the U.S. a handful of times um, playing, I know, at least Worlds. Um, I think he still plays an MPO a few times, but um, winning an MP40. So very cool to see him win there. And then a familiar face in FP40, uh, Sarah Hokum, who of course played virtually the whole entire season in FPO mm-hmm. with a few events here or there in FP40. I think she played a few majors and how she qualified for this event, but she wins it <laughs> by 31 strokes, Matt. Um, <laughs> that's a win is a win. That is a big win uh, for sure. So, uh, North Cove was, uh, you saw it on the silver event earlier this year. You saw, uh, college nationals play there, uh, very cool course. And I think it kind of is a, a pretty awesome fitting for something like the disc golf masters tour where it's, it's not necessarily players who are always touring, but a really cool destination course to put in a finale. So, um, if I was a master's level player and qualified for this, it would be something I'd be excited about. Uh, to visit that course and the kind of property they have with multiple courses there. So uh, really cool. And I think it's really awesome for disc golf to see something like that. So uh, the first year of the disc golf masters tour. So congrats to them uh, on a good season. And we'll uh, talk to Johnny a little bit about it here shortly. I was just going to say, I have uh, quite a few questions that whether or not he can answer, I'm interested in this masters tour becoming a thing because when you talk about, I don't know if disparity is the right word, the difference between what Sarah Holcomb did in second place without naming names even, but just like 31 strokes. You almost want to see like, how do you do that? Like, do you play? You're just like, well, I guess this is where I belong and I can win this event. And then you have players like own and others who are kind of dabbling in it a little bit. It's kind of like you want them all in like all of the masters that all can play 40. Yeah. Like not, not like they can't play uh FPO either. But like, get all in on that one, maybe. I don't know. The money's probably not the same there, right? It isn't. 
But in my mind, I'm like, make that a real competitive scene. So like Sarah Holcomb doesn't win by 31 or Johnny. No, he was, he was going to take it away too by, by about that much. We'll talk to him. Let's, let's get him in here. And, um, I'm doing a lot at one time here. I think I got this though. Three, two, <laughs> welcome to the show, everybody. We're going to bring in Johnny McRae. Now, if you're very new to the scene, you might go Johnny who, but We've known him for a while. Uh-oh. I'm going to have to fix this up a little bit here, Evan. Hold on. See a lot going on. Can you hear me, Johnny? Oh, wonderful. Now let me unmute you because we tested it. There we go. Boom. Our intern's out. My co-host is out. I'm doing it all by myself. Johnny, it's good to talk to you, man. How are you doing? Good to see you again. Yeah, I'm doing great. Just great. got home today, and uh, it was a great weekend and had a lot of fun up there. It was my first time up to North Cove. and it was an amazing, beautiful place. Okay, we're going to come back and get your comments on the course because I am interested in your perspective, absolutely. Um, how many of these Disc Golf Master Tour events did you get to play in? Did it only require one to qualify? It, it did, actually, and you didn't even... She ended up even having a qualifying event on a couple of days before, the day before, that you could have played in and qualified to play in the final. So I played in four events before the final. Okay. Um, and I apologize because I didn't do my research here and I'm sure Evan, you've got it lined up. Um, how did you fare in these other events? Um, well, the first one I played in was in Foley, Alabama, and I played in the MP forties division because the numbers were just better in that for that to play in that at the time. And I got second place to, uh, Adam Holford who played really great down there. And then I played in um, Tulsa, Oklahoma, and that was I won that one, and I was playing in the 50s. And then I played in the Selinski, and mm -hmm. I played also playing in the 50s there, mm -hmm. and won. And then I guess technically, since I the fourth one, I really didn't even play in the tournament, but I I, I would have qualified through it. Cause I was signed up for the worlds and I couldn't play in that event. I had to come back. So even though I didn't get to play, I was registered. So, and didn't get my entry fee back or anything. So I technically, I guess I would have qualified without even playing. <laughs> oh man. There's, <laughs> there's so much to talk about here. And, um, I I'm interested just setting the table, not the table. Yeah. So to set the table, set the scene for everybody. Um, you were and still are a big part of disc golf, but you were a part of the disc golf pro tour in a significant fashion for many years. Um, it was not unusual. And I'm just saying this for the benefit of our listening audience who may not be as familiar. Uh, it was not unusual and it was actually commonplace to see you in the top 10 or top 20 all the time uh, in MPO on the disc golf pro tour. Um, and then I feel like, you're going to have to lead us into the story portion here, but the, the disc golf world heard the news that you had a heart attack. Is that correct? It was a heart attack. Yep. Uh, yep. Yeah. I get, I sure did. Yeah. And that was, uh, time flies. And I apologize if I'm getting this wrong. That was last year. Or was that a year and a half ago or how far back was that? So in February, it'll be two years. It was February 5th. So it's coming up on two years. Wow. Okay. So two years ago or just about, you had a heart attack mm -hmm. and I'm sure that changed a lot of aspects of your life and disc golf. Is that a turning point that you 
can tell us about when it comes to like your participation in the pro tour side of things. And more importantly, give us a quick update on how you're doing, if you don't mind sharing, uh, as related to your health. Uh, well, for as far as the pro tour things goes, uh, yeah, pretty much, uh, I, you know, I, uh, it was in February. I was signed up for a bunch of events, maybe six different events already, Vegas through Jonesboro, something like that. And maybe a couple more, I don't know. And, uh, you know, I, so I couldn't make it to those. It was, I just couldn't, you know, I didn't have the, didn't have the power. Wouldn't, you know, I, I literally died for four minutes. They brought me back. And, uh, so I'm even lucky to be here today. So, but, uh, so, but anyway, so I lost my tour card that year, two years ago. And so I couldn't really go on tour at all last year either. Cause I can't get, you know, by the time it's, I could even get in, it's already closed up. I couldn't get in anyway. So most of the events, so it's just, uh, I hope still hope to get into some events next year and, uh, try to get out there. And I know that it's starting here in Florida and it's literally, I don't think there's anybody on the pro that's ever played on the pro tour ever that lives as close to this course than I do. So I really hope to get into that. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So. Um, you mentioned you lost your tour card. What was the, um, and I feel like I could have a conversation here on the show. We could all figure it out and talk about it. But like, what was the reason for your tour card being revoked, if you will? Was it actually like, hey, you didn't play enough events or you didn't do X, Y, Z? Was it one of those things? Um, Yeah, I don't even re quite remember. Okay. You know what I mean? I, it's, uh, you know, it's uh, it was an expense. I can tell you that. It was like okay. $750 and, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd paid for it and I didn't really even get to use it. So, okay. at all. So it was kind of tough, but, uh, you know, do you know, so, do you know your avenue to get back into the tour card situation? Um, I know that I think there's rumors about these, the silver events have gone away, but they're going to be placing qualifiers out there as kind of like not renamed as silver events, but they're going to be qualifiers for getting on the tour. Um, have you heard anything about that? No, I haven't actually. Okay. I, I, I hope, I mean, I'm pretty sure whether I'm speaking, you know, like based off of rumors, that's my understanding is that you're going to be able to play qualifying events to earn your spot on the tour that allows people that are trying to get on tour to get on tour. For each event? Uh, I don't think it's for each event. I think it's going to be like, again, I'm speaking a little bit forward here without knowing all the details of so speculation a little bit, but my understanding is it's going to be kind of in the situation of what silver events used to be. So not every event had a silver event, right? So I think it's just going to kind of be like not a tour, but a, a list of qualifying events is how I understand it. Uh, we'll just kind of leave it at that. Cause I don't know more. Um, but yeah, I'll have to find out more about that. <laughs> yeah. I think we're waiting because the, the announcement of the season, um, was was made and we interviewed Jeff on here and Jeff had mentioned, hey, kind of like stay tuned, like there's going to be ways to qualify. So I would hope, and I'm saying this sincerely, I would love to see players like yourself, if you can qualify and you're still, let me ask you, do you feel like your skill level has changed much since your health situation with the heart attack? Absolutely a little bit, but, okay. uh, you know, I still got plenty of uh, shots and, game left to play so i feel like you know any given weekend can be just like anything else can be anybody so there you go um yeah so 
but is Matt, your, I want to hop yeah, go in ahead, here for a second too. And just, uh, I, for all the people who have known you playing for so long, uh, they know how good you are. I'll say, or, uh, how you can hang in there with anyone on, in disc golf. Uh, but for players who are like, Hey, we're just interviewing a guy who's playing MP 50 right now. Uh, how can you hang with, you know, the MPO crowd? And first of all, you play MPO most of the season. Uh, you've won every event you've played in MP 50 this year, uh, but you played three disc golf pro tour events, two elites and one silver. Uh, you finished 23rd at the OTB open this year. Uh, and your worst finish of the bunch was 50th at the dynamic disc open. Uh, and Matt, you want to hear someone who finished 50th yes. at the Dyn- dynamic disc open? Uh, Mr. Gannon Burr, yes, <laughs> uh, who won uh, three elite events this year and two silvers. Um, so, I, I, I just wanted to kind of say those accolades to set the stage. Um, but you know, Johnny, if there's anything else you wanted to kind of add about where your level of game is right now uh, compared to you know all, all the young kids on tour through uh, all the people who are uh, all ages competing in MPO. Yeah, I mean. These guys are getting better and better all the time. It's amazing. And uh, you said Gannon, and man, it's amazing just just to see him throw and play. It's awesome. Yeah. The, uh, I personally love the way he plays aggressive. Mm. His putting is just like no fear, and it's it's pretty awesome. I, I love watching it. And uh, there's other guys that I – some guys I haven't got to play with yet. I actually haven't got to play with, get, with uh, Gannon yet. And uh, another one is uh, – the new world champion Isaac. I haven't got to play with him yet. And uh, I'd love to get to play with him. He's a, it's awesome watching on video. Well, let's, let's make it. I'm sure we can make it or not us, but I'm sure we can, we can make it happen. Whether or not you earn that spot on the lead card with them, or you find yourself in the 10th card with them. I don't know which it would be. I'm sure they'd love to play with you as well. Um, I know, again, I'm coming from a fan perspective and someone who talks disc golf. I appreciate and enjoy watching you compete. And I think there's, I believe there's an element of the fan. I don't know if it's called fandom. The the experience that I'm having is because you are in the older generation. You're playing in MP50 other times. Then you come on to, we'll say MPO. And we're like, look at what this guy's doing. Right. And I think there's an excitement level there. I think disc golf is great when you're in it. We're the world was, you know, shocked and saddened to hear about the, the heart attack. We're grateful that you're back and uh, healthy um, do you feel like you said, you know, any given week could be your week kind of a thing. If you were to go up against the best and you had your best week, do you place yourself in the top 10, top five, maybe even winning it nowadays? Or, or do you feel like you're someone who could just, you know, stick around on tour? Um, you know, I never did win the big event out there. So I wouldn't say that I, that, yeah, I put out my best. I'm going to win, mm-hmm. but you know, it, it would take me to play my best and everybody else to play not their best, but you know, maybe that could happen. It's still, it's golf, but uh, no, I would, I could say I could, if I, you know, two years, two and a half years ago, I'd say I'd be, I could get top 10 easily if I played good, but I'd say now I could get top 20 if I played really good, really, really good. And that's, that'd be, I wouldn't say that would be an every week thing for sure, but I could uh, definitely compete and do pretty well for sure. So we, we don't need just, you to you brag know, on yourself. Of, uh, I'll do it for you. I'll, I'll brag on you for you. Like, uh, what is, so first of all, I don't normally ask a question like this, but someone just gave $20 to the show. Honestly, we should just send it to you. And they said, who has a better beard, Johnny or Matt? Now 
I will say Johnny has set the stage for the beard long ago and I was jealous. And here we are a few years later. So is the beard going to come back, Johnny? Um, not anytime soon. No. <laughs> okay. But, uh, it was, it was fun while I had it. I tell you. I'll I'll carry the torch. It just won't be as good. So that, that right, was thanks, for Matt. that was for the disc golf ch- uh, the username disc golf in the chat. Thank you for that super chat. Um, but to follow that up, so what's if if you are let's uh, let's presume you're not able to make it onto tour or even hit, you maybe hit one event. Like, what does disc golf look like for you? Have you thought through that? Are you staying local, regional, playing A tiers? Um, how are you staying involved? And like, what's your long term and short term plans? Um, I'm still going to play disc golf, you know, disc golf is life, I guess. Uh, I'm not going to just quit and be like, Oh, pro tour won't let me on the pro tour. I'm not going to play in any tournaments. No, I'm definitely going to play in tournaments. I'm going to try, I'm try to play in the biggest, best tournaments that I can and, uh, try to do the best that I can practice hard, try to keep getting better and better and, uh, get stronger and, uh, keep trying to do my best. I, uh, I feel like I still got a lot left in me, a lot of golf left. So I'm not <laughs> hobbling around using a cane or nothing. So I'm still good to go. Well, and this is a disc golf talk show. And so we're talking disc golf, but I've had this, um, I'm, I'm only 38. I'll be 39 in February. So I'm not even into the, you know, the master's division yet. Next year is my last year before I can play master's. So I'm experiencing, and anyone who's listening here, you're either laughing or you're like, this is, you find it interesting. Like, as you get older, I've found that my brain doesn't seem to get older and like your body does, right? So, do you still feel like a young guy in there, Johnny? Like, do you feel like the young guy or, or how have things uh, changed for you? Um, definitely got aged a little bit more than ever before since this happened two years ago. But uh, before then, you know, I was a, uh, I was 50, what I was 49 when it happened. So before then, when I was 45, I hardly even played in any masters events. And then maybe some the majors and stuff. But if you went back and looked, <laughs> I hardly, for you. if you looked at how many total masters events that I played in the 40 MP 40, it's probably not that many. So I'm, I'm probably getting close to as many in MP 50 right now. But uh, yeah, so I played most of my 40s in the open division, and I didn't even start touring until I was going out on tour till i was 41 so all that that you've seen me out there on the pro tour that was all in my 40 while i was in yeah. my 40s so yeah so. yeah and i i guess and i'm glad you said all that you said i find that interesting but i'm even digging a little bit further into the mental aspect like inside does your brain age or are you feeling like no in here man if my body was up for it i'm still the same young guy i always was oh yeah definitely i okay. definitely would i definitely <laughs> I have, I've had to learn to slow down mentally because <laughs> okay. my body is definitely just a hair slower, and, but <laughs> it's, it's still pushing pretty good. I feel like, you know, I'm still pretty athletic and spinning on my toes as uh, some people say you, you shouldn't do or whatever, <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, oh, yeah, I'm, yeah uh, interesting. Um, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm still feeling pretty good about myself and, uh, my doctors and everything have been pretty good. Everything's been pretty good with everything that's going on. So I'm, I'm pretty positive that I'm about what I can do. All right, cool. Um, so sponsorship latitude 64 has always been the team you were on. There's been significant, I wouldn't say practical changes uh, unless you know of some that I'm not aware of, but the house of discs, is that correct? House of discs. Yeah. Yes. They, they purchased 
were were acquired and they've made a group now between dynamic uh, latitude, disc mania, castaplast, right? Um, has that changed anything for you? Have people talked to you? Where are they at with that? And where are you at with that? Is this something you're going to continue on with latitude? Um, well, yeah, I, I would, I hope to continue on with latitude and, uh, yeah, they, uh, they've done really good for me and, uh, I feel like they're a great company and a great fit for me. So hopefully things continue. And I, uh, as far as the other companies that they uh, that they make, like Cataplast and uh, Dismania, I don't really. I've never. It's never been a thing to throw those discs. I was always allowed to throw the trilogy discs, Dynamic, mm-hmm. Westside, and uh, Latitude. So between those three companies, I got so many discs to choose from. Anyway, it's it's amazing. You could probably just go with one company if you wanted to, but I get to pick and choose what I want and. I throw mainly latitude with a little bit of DD and a little bit of West side sprinkled in. So I like them all. And, uh, I, uh, really enjoy their discs. So I, uh, yeah, I think that they, uh, do a lot of good things for disc golf and, uh, I'm enjoying what they have done for me. They, uh, really stuck behind me when I, uh, went down and had all that trouble and, you know, I was down for months and, uh, they did a lot for me as long as long, as well as the whole commu- disc golf community standing up and getting behind me. It was amazing, really. And uh, everybody praying for me, you know. I feel like that saved my life. So that meant so much to me. So God bless you all. Absolutely. I mean, we talk about things that are relevant on the show, and that was a, that was a big topic for us. Um, I think sometimes we even have this little scrolling bar at the bottom of our show, and like it was it was the same thing, just making people aware of what was going on. Um, so let's bring it to uh, turbo putts. I think if people think of Johnny, they often think of well as well of big turbo putts. Um, is this something that you learned? Is it uh, like when you came into the sport, or is this something you developed because you said, "Hey, it's really helpful," um, or is it just more of like hey, it was natural to me and I like it? And is it still part of your game? Just tell us all about the turbo putt. How did that come to be? All right. Yeah. So when I first started playing, my oldest brother who introduced me to the game of disc golf, Bruce McCray, he uh, showed me the turbo putt. So I actually turbo putted for like the first six months I played. Wow. It didn't matter if it was long, short, left, right, straight. I turbo putted everything. It was like pretty much he told me like throwing a curveball. And so I learned to throw it you know, on all the directions, left, right, straight. Wow. And, uh, so it was, uh, it was actually, I got really, really good with it. And then somebody told me, Oh, you need to get a normal putt. So <laughs> and I normal putt. And I, they was like, yeah, you know, and then they were showing me. So I started working on that as well. And, you know, I, was, I always loved the turbo putt. I use, I've always used it for a long time, you know, and I've actually, I feel like that's what started me getting famous back in the day was, uh, just a video of, uh, me hitting a hundred foot turbo putt at a hole 18 at Rennie gold. So look that up, Johnny McCray, hundred foot turbo putt. Okay. And it's a huge turbo putt. And, uh, my buddy, Tony Inzana from, Inz- from, uh, Rochester was standing there filming it and he just got his camera on as I was getting ready to throw it. So it's kind of quick. So you won't be wasting a lot of time. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> so when I did die though, two years ago, had the heart attack and stuff, when they were resuscitating me, you know, they tell you if they're not breaking your ribs, they're not doing it right. Well, they uh, broke my collarbone too. So there's a lot of crunching going on. So it's been actually just in the last 
three months where I can actually throw a turbo and it not hurting again. So wow, okay, been, that's been awesome. So I've been trying to use it more and more lately, yep. but it's a little rusty. It's a little rusty because I hadn't used it in a, over a year because everything being all crunched up and broken. It still crunches some, but it's getting better. So yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited to get that weapon back. Yeah, um, there's a whole, I just did a little bit in YouTube here. I don't know if I'm going to play it now, but uh, it says a whole YouTube compilation of Turbo Putts by Johnny McRae from downtown. So uh, oh, let's go. Yeah, I almost am going to click it up, but I wasn't quite set up here uh, by myself without intern Ben running it tonight. But um, that is interesting. Okay, so this question just came from the chat. I will shout out Overthrow Disc Golf. Uh, I don't know if you have any familiarity with Overthrow. They are a coaching um, brand and a disc golf coach. Uh, you can check them out on YouTube. They do excellent, excellent stuff. Um, big, I, I'm going to say a big fan of the show. Thanks. That was a free one, Overthrow. But we had um, the Young Guns. You brought up Isaac. You brought up Gannon. Um, you didn't mention Cole because we didn't mention Cole. But like, there's all these young players out there now that are playing at a very high level. Um, during the week of MVP Open, we had them into our studio, actually here. Um, and one of the topics came up was that Gannon and Cole, uh, they were both staying at my house, and we were flipping through YouTube, and we found old MSDGC, Marshall Street Disc Golf Championship, back in the day. Uh, you have a lot of the old, uh, old school, I'll say, players playing at their highest level then. And Gannon and Cole's reaction when they saw the video was taken back at how were these guys the best? Like how, how was their skill? Like it doesn't look like it's a very high skill. And, but what they're doing is they're doing it with bias towards today's competition. Right. And so the question posing to you as an MP 50 player, do you feel like, how would you speak to this when with, if their reaction was that to you, like if you put them back in the day, so Gannon and Cole, but the same technology, same disc technology is back in the day, right? Like give them the same tools the other guys had. Who's going to win? Do you think it's going to be these young guys or the old guys? Or will it be a fair battle? Uh, you know, it's just like uh, just like anything. I would say eventually the young guys will take over, but that's just the way it goes, you know. But uh, I would say <clears throat> if uh, Gannon and Isaac were young back when uh, – <laughs> Kenny was when I was, you know, they'd be Paul and Ricky. <laughs> right, right. But but let's take the I agree, because the evolution of the sport is going to continue to do that, where my kids and the next kids generation will keep getting better. But if you were to take, let's just say, take Gannon, you talk so highly of him. Take Gannon, move him back 25 years ago, or whatever you want to do, bring it back to a certain point. Give him the same technology that Kenny and others had back then. Same. Head to head, Kenny versus Gannon, or versus um, pick pick any of your old timers uh, with the same technology. Do you think there's an advancement with the players today, or is it technology with the discs mainly? What do you think? I would say it's a definitely a combination of both, and just the you know the whole the way the whole game has grown over the years pushes the players to be better. You know what I mean? The money in it, everything is pushing everybody to do better and train harder and get better. I mean, there's guys out there right now, I guarantee you that 10, 12 years old that are already doing it. So it's awesome. And uh, it's going to be, you know, next year we're going to find another three probably. So it's going <laughs> to be exciting. It's going to be, you know, That's uh, there's uh, the, everybody's talking about the young, uh, 
middling girl that uh just popped up at the USDGC and throwing those bombs and that you know it's just awesome it's awesome to see it's uh she's a young lady that's gonna do very very good playing disc golf she's she works hard and she loves disc golf and trains hard and works hard it's gonna be awesome to see where she goes it's gonna the game is just every year every possibly every three months we're gonna see new stuff from new players it's, it's awesome I'm glad you mentioned Eliezra. We are actually working to get an interview with her at some point. I think everyone would love to know more about her game. And and you think she's going to be one of these. I kind of feel like she had a breakout season-esque. Like it was right at the end there. But she's she's really fantastic at, at her skill. Um, does any other player, because this was actually a topic we had for the show tonight. And Evan, feel free to jump in if you want to participate here. But what players do you think are standing out at the end of 2023 that you think are likely or could have a breakout season in 2024. And you already mentioned Eliezra Mittling. Is anybody else from your perspective, Johnny stand out as someone or, or did, am I putting you on the spot too much? Um, no, I mean, there's so many young, uh, uh, Evan, Evan Scott, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I feel like he's got so much potential. To, I mean, he's so young and, uh, he's got so much potential. He's gonna uh, gonna be doing amazing things. It's uh so many players. I but he's one that I uh, that I'll be rooting for because I, I feel like he was he's was built exactly the way I was when I was young. <laughs> okay. So and uh, so that's that's something that I've, I'm I'm rooting for him and uh, all really anybody though. It's uh I I can root for anybody because I just love seeing good golf, good shots and incredible times being had so it's a uh, it's going to be exciting for sure you're you're a big fan of the sport as well as a player right it sounds to me like you're really you do you watch live coverage when you're not playing do you follow up on post-production if you didn't get to catch it live like where are you at with the sport as a yeah, fan? yeah I'll, I'll watch it i usually watch it after the fact but okay. uh yeah it's a it's a it's pretty it's they're doing a great job with all the videos and stuff. They're doing really good. So cool. It's a, uh, it's awesome. Well, I really like it. I'm really enjoying watching it. We got to I say we got to, we have nothing to do with this. You got to get back on the pro tour and you got to play really hot fire, at least one round. So Jomez can give you that. Like, uh, I don't remember what they call it now, the spotlight or whatever they do, the player spotlight people that are new coming out since the pandemic, like, some of them at that first stage maybe had some glimpse of you, but the last, you know, few years, I don't mean to say you fell off, but like not being on tour shining like you were doing, man, I think you could do the same I, to your point. You're going to keep up to the same that you used to do. And it would be really fun. I hope we get to see you there. Um, is there any new news or announcements or anything that maybe we didn't ask you about that you'd like to talk about? I mean, the platform's yours. If there's anything that you feel like bringing up or mentioning or a topic that you want to talk about, uh, whatever you got, the floor is yours. Um, yeah, I would like to talk about uh, Callie and what she's doing there with the uh, Disc Golf Masters Tour. She, uh, I'm really proud of her. She does put so much work into this year into running the masters tour. She, I think she said she did 23 events or 28 events. Wow. Can't remember. It's quite a bit of events. And she was all over the country running stuff, mm -hmm. helping with majors, all kinds of stuff. So she, I, so, I mean, not enough good things could be said about this young lady who put so much time into disc golf and really 
to help out the disc golf masters. That's older guys. Mm-hmm. So anybody, any of the masters next year, and it's going to keep going. Just like the pro tour started, you know, it started, it was, it was their first year at once. And, uh, the, this was our, this was uh, her first year and it's going to keep growing and getting bigger and better. So everybody should try to get out there and try to get to those events and help support her and the uh, masters tour. Cause it's only going to get bigger and better. And, and all of us, you too, Matt, in a couple more years, you'll be able to play in a master tour. So, yeah, we should all be helping, giving her all the applause that we can. I, I can't say enough again about all the great things that she did. It was amazing. Every tournament, literally, I was not even out of the parking lot, and I was already paid through PayPal. She's she's amazing how quick she gets things done, how on top of things she's she is. It's it's quite amazing. This young lady's 26 years old, and she's on top of it like no other, doing great things, running a full tour for the Masters players. I mean, I really can't say enough. Thank her so much. Absolutely. And, uh, uh, Callie McMorrin, a uh, friend of mine uh, and my children as well, uh, through Team Innova specifically, but we've seen her a few stops, uh, including the MVP Open the, the weeks prior when they did the Master Tour event. Um, yeah, absolutely fantastic thing. In fact, it was interesting because I had never been to a master. Well, I've been to like Tim Selinski and others, but I hadn't been to like one of these tour events per se. And you have masters players and I don't know how many of them there are, but that are actually touring as AMs as AMs. Like they're like, Hey, I have a life. I'm a retired veteran or whatever it is. And like, I am just going to live out of my car and just do the tour. And I was like, man, this is a really cool opportunity for people um, at any age of their life. But for the disc golf uh, masters who still would like to compete uh, with people in their same age division, that's really cool. Um, I'm glad you came on to talk about all this, Johnny. Um, Is there anything we missed or where do you you feel? I want to ask one thing before we go off. Well, I I have two things. I have a stat that I want to share. And then one question for you, Johnny. Uh, One stat is I looked up, uh, all all the players who played in an MPO major in the 20th century in 1999 or before who cashed in a disc golf pro tour event this year or elite or major i should specify uh, there are three players uh, you're one of them of course uh thanks to the otb open uh but scott stokely and brad schick also were players who played in a, a major in uh the 20th century and cashed uh your cash of 735 dollars was the most of that bunch so cool uh only three players to do that uh and still kicking it um but f- my final question to you is uh, you've had a, a long disc golf career that's still active but uh what's your uh your greatest accomplishment uh that you see um in disc golf what's the one that or memory what stands above the rest uh I'd say, you know, I found my wife on a disc golf course, so that would definitely be it. <laughs> Look at For that. Sure. Wow. Uh, a lot more wholesome than I was even expecting. So that's very cool. <laughs> oh, man. Um, you know, I feel like some people are going to hate me for this, and that's okay. Some people are going to love for me for this, and that's okay, too. I'm doing it because I find it interesting. I don't think I've ever been able to talk to you about us dgc and your walk the whole 17 not that like here i go i'm gonna say don't relive it but at the same time uh i'm interested in that moment because how do you feel like that moment is burned in history iconic for johnny uh choked 
Or how, how do you see that moment as the player? Because it's interesting looking back in the past at that moment. Yeah, it would, it would hard, be really hard for me to look back on that and think that I didn't choke because I did. And it really wasn't the choke. You know, I just missed a couple shots, you know. It was, it's uh, just life, you know what I mean? You got you to gotta take the good with the bad. And uh, I feel, I still, to this day, feel super proud that I was in that position. I was, you know, I was 42 years old when that happened. And uh, <laughs> yeah. I had, uh, I literally had Paul and um, I had them all on the ropes. You know, yeah, they were, they were, I, it was like battle Royal and I had already thrown them out of the ring, but <laughs> then I, I somehow tripped over my own feet and fell out myself. But, uh, <laughs> so, uh, Do no, you... I, I'm super proud of the position that I got myself into to, to begin that with, to begin with. So I have, you know, yeah, I choked, I lost it. I lost, but who else was, who else was ever, I still ended up tied for first place in that tournament and lost to the playoffs. So who else? has done that. You know what I mean? Who else is going to get into that position? So if anybody has anything bad to say, it's whatever, because, you know, I'm proud that I was in that position and yeah, you know, can't, you can't take that away. Uh, and, and I'm more just was curious, not trying to even set a stage here for any, you know, I'm not trying to lead anywhere. I like, do you find yourself looking back at that many times or is it usually a, a distant thought? Like where, where is that memory set for you? Uh, yeah. You know, it always, whenever the it comes that week, I always want to be there to have a ch another chance. But you know, it's a uh, I don't, I, it doesn't dwell in my head for sure. It's not like I wake up on Christmas morning thinking, <laughs> "Oh my goodness, I just would have stuck that tee shot." <laughs> uh, so yeah, it, okay. it's it's not haunting. You know, life goes on. You know, what that lady say? Life is hard. Put on a helmet. <laughs> yeah, I can tell you um, the positive impact it had on disc golf. And as much as maybe it's weird for me to say that because you're like, yeah, that was my downfall at that moment. But live disc golf was newer, like the chance to even be able to see it and to watch that moment unfold was a thrilling. And I don't mean in somebody's failure. But the thrilling moment of sports drama, I'm sure you have sports that you've watched in your life, and those moments create an impact on the fans watching one way or another. They're either rooting or they're rooting for someone else. But that moment of heart pounding, heart stopping, and I don't, again, I'm not saying that as someone who's had a heart attack, but like trying not to make light <laughs> of that, but like that moment was had with you and you were on the other end of that. But I think the impact positively is that we were able to start capturing these moments um, and see the thrill that disc golf can be. Uh, and yes, I've said it already at the beginning of this interview and I'll say it again. I really wish you can get back so we can see these moments unfold again with you as part of it. So um, I hope I didn't stir up anything too negative there for Oh, you. no, it was, it was really, it was like a, uh, and still is like one, not, you know, maybe not, but it was a great moment with me and our Lord and Savior. And it, you know, I wouldn't want, I don't, would never change it. So, yeah, I, I, you're saying all the things that are iconic to me. I mean, you pulled out the cross. You're like, man, this is a moment I need to, to really focus in here. Um, all right. Well, cool. I think we, we, we dug up some old skeletons and we talked about some great things, but it was fantastic. Um, unless there's something else you'd like to talk about, we're good on this end. Um, I like to say, I said thank you for having me on again, and uh, 
I appreciate it, and I hope you have a great week. And I'd like to thank Lad264, Flight Tell, Bogey Free Bags, and uh, God bless you all. Thank you again for praying for me. You definitely helped save my life, and uh, I love you all. And I hope to see you out there in the course, and hopefully I can get, like Matt said, hopefully I can get on some coverage and show you all what I got. Absolutely. We Again. really look forward. Yeah, we really do look forward to it. Um, everybody that has contacts, just keep saying, get Johnny a tour pass and, or at least let them know how. I mean, we'll, we'll get we'll get you that information as soon as we know. Or just tune into the Nick and Matt show. Once we know how you can qualify for a tour car, just we'll announce it here. So, all right, man. All right. Well, when I come back on, I want to be asking. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Awesome, man. Good to see you and have a great evening and uh, safe travels. I'm sure you're going to be doing quite a bit of it. Uh, we'll talk to you again another time. Okay, thanks. All bye. right, bye. All right, everybody. Look at who's here. In st- oh, it's, it's Evan still. Okay, well, we can uh, we can actually bring in Nick now. Three, two, one, boom. There you are. What's hey. up? How's everybody doing? I just totally fumbled my words right there as I was like casually Nick forgot he's on a podcast. Yeah. Well, I also, I mean, I totally, the camera angle sitting in this seat it's compared different. to my seat was kind of like it threw me in for a surprise real quick. But uh, yeah, what's up, everybody? I missed y'all last week, and it feels it feels like forever. I was uh, obviously coming into the show late today. Work has been pretty long, pretty uh, frustrating in that regards, but the hours are good, and I can't complain too much about it because I enjoy my job, and I need the money right now. So Lies. It's like when <laughs> yeah. I go into the steakhouse, whatever steakhouse it is, I think it's like... I don't know which one it is now, but they wear the t-shirts that say like, I love my job. Yeah. And I'm yeah, like, yeah. you're forced to wear that t-shirt. <laughs> it's, well, it's, it's, it's so funny. I, and I explain this to people all the time is, you know, whenever I come up to Massachusetts, I work in the drilling and blasting industry. So pretty much what I do is I find a massive piece of rock. I stick some dynamite in the ground. I press a button and I blow it up. And actually one day I'll send you some videos and we can pop it up so people can kind of see what I do one day. But, um, Honestly, it uh, it's actually a really fun industry to be in. I mean, anyone that works with explosives, I think it's, uh, and please no one say, oh, is it a blast? Because I've heard that probably like 50,000 <laughs> That was like times. our first yeah. episode joke. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I've heard that too many times, but... um, It's a blast. <laughs> yeah. Realistically, um, I don't care for the politics of construction when it comes to uh, uh, just pretty much like job sites, how much money is being made at a job site. Um, I don't really care for that stuff. Uh, I would say more the management aspect of it. But when it comes to getting to a job site, putting dynamite in the ground, tying it all in and blowing it up, it's uh, actually extremely It's a fun. blast. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think it was episode one. Nick's like, I blast dynamite and that's a safety guy. Here's yeah. the Nick and Matt show. So <laughs> If Matt came to my job sites, they'd get shut down. Let's just say no. that. Just I, I actually am a good I, safety guy. Fun, like, funny enough. I, I manage the relationships yeah. as best as I can. Well, funny enough, for years and years, we you definitely, once you get used to something, you take it for granted. And so I was working a job site out in Newton, Massachusetts, and... Um, there was a, a lady, she had this multi-million dollar home and the whole backside of it was riddled with like 16 foot tall windows, beautiful, beautiful home. And we were blasting for a swimming pool to go there. And, uh, she was very, very nervous about the blasting. Cause one rock goes and hits a window. It's going to shatter it. Like it's, so <laughs> yeah. we're in a tight spot. We're only probably 50, 60 feet off the house. And, uh, I could tell how nervous she was when she was talking to the blaster. And so with the dynamite, I have a a box of it. It comes in 88 of them when I use a specific one. So it's literally what you would see in a movie. It's little sticks of dynamite. I was going to say, this isn't your fireworks yeah. corner no, stand. No, no, no. This is like you look at it and you're like, wow, that's dynamite. That that makes it go big boom. And so I was walking and uh, 
I purposely tripped right next to her and like flung no. all the dynamite on the ground. No. And dude, you could you could throw the dynamite at a rock and it's not going to do anything. It takes a lot more for it to mm. actually go off. And uh, I felt so bad because she instantly started like tearing up. <laughs> she saw oh, no. her oh, life flash before her yeah, eyes. Exactly. <laughs> Five minutes later, she was laughing hysterically. Okay. She actually she okay, bought us pizza okay. that Ooh. day. It, it ended up being actually a really funny moment. But then uh, just another time before we get back into disc golf is uh. I was working, forget what town, it might have been Framingham, and the fire department was like major sticklers. The fire department has to come out for all of our blasting job sites. And um, they were very much to a T, dot your I's, cross your T's, you know, everything's got to be legit. <coughs> well, I showed up to the job late, so I didn't know how much of like a stickler they were. And so here I am taking a box of dynamite, and I'm just throwing it on the ground to where the holes are kind of prepping the job oh, site no. the dude comes over freaking out at me like what are you doing and i had to you know talk him off a cliff saying it's not gonna blow up don't don't worry about it <laughs> i have to be the one to blow it up before it blows up so um yeah anyways that's uh, uh but today was uh wake up at four in the morning after getting into town at two in the morning um i flew <laughs> and my flight got delayed and then i had to drive an hour and a half from hartford to my house and uh so i got home at two in the morning I set my alarm for 3.45. I woke up, I snoozed it once, and uh, I woke up at 4 in the morning and got to the shop for 5, drove out to the job site, and then I just got to Matt's house at about 7.30, so that was my day. And then after the show, I'll go home, take a shower, wake up at 3.30 in the morning tomorrow. Working man. Actually, no, tomorrow, tomorrow's a little bit of a later day. 5 a.m. is a late day for me now, which is kind of wild, but... um. Been yeah, there, done that. Disc golf. Yeah, Johnny. Awesome dude. Um, I had the pleasure of playing with Johnny one round at Worlds last year. Uh, it was me, him, Silverlot, and I don't remember who the fourth one on our card was. Um, Silver's a very good friend of mine. Shout out to Silver. Just won a massive tournament. Uh, but Johnny, I, I say this every single week, I do not throw the disc far. Johnny McRae throws the disc very far. And it was very impressive to see out in Emporia where he could actually showcase that. Um, it's also very tough to play with people like that. Cause you're like, Ooh, what if I could hit that line? Let <laughs> yeah. me try that. And then you try to do it and it just epically fails. But I do remember it was a great round. Um, he's deadly from 35 feet, little step putt that he has and step putts aren't going anywhere in 2024, which I'm excited about. And, uh, yeah, awesome. Awesome dude to play with. Um, so yeah, that's my spiel. Yeah, he was a fantastic person to have a conversation with tonight. I'm glad we were able to reach out and get a hold of him. Yeah. It's I don't think we've ever interviewed. We know we haven't interviewed him on here before no. that I remember. As somebody can correct me, but I've I've had plenty of in person conversations yeah. with him, and that's fantastic. What a great guy! I'm just gonna shout out DC US 55 said Nick ever work any fireworks displays? <laughs> I have not. It's a different type of explosive in fireworks, especially the big big ones. Um, but if they want someone who's trained with dynamite to go help them out, I'd happily do it. I'll even travel for it. The one thing that I want to do in blasting, um, and there's one massive company that does this. I want to implode a building because you don't blow up a building. You implode it. So you cut into the structures, you stick the dynamite in that way. That's one thing that before I end my dynamite career, whenever that is, um, I would love to implode a building. It just doesn't happen very often. Yeah. Would be I don't have a building though. for you. All right. Yeah, I know. If anyone's got like an old building they want blown up or blown in, I guess technically, <laughs> I'm not your guy, but I could get Employee. the guy and then I can go to the job site. Hey, that's good. I don't I don't mind the uh, conversation and stories, Nick. That's yeah, pretty cool. Exactly. Um, we've talked about this for a while, but we think it's probably getting closer to reality uh, now than it was before is what we're going to call a Patreon podcast, which will be extra content every week. 
which will not be like stories of blasting things. Although that might come up, it's going to be I have a bad day. Mike. Yeah, it might come up on a bad day, but it's going to be more. I'll use the word evergreen topics as opposed to current storylines and trends and winners and things of that nature. It'll be stuff that you could listen to at any time, any year. And it should be relevant. Like we're going to be recording episodes like that. And we're going to put it out to a Patreon. Uh, those who would like to support us uh, will get extra content is how we see it. And I think that's going to be closer to a reality. If I had to guess and not over promise, <laughs> it's sometime oh, next no. year. Sometime oh. next year. Yeah. Is that vague enough? That's that's what I would <laughs> that's say. That's vague enough, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, we're excited about that. Um, if I read off the list of topics we have, you should leave topics that you think we should talk about that are evergreen. If you I wanna I wanna I was just thinking about this when you were having Johnny on. Um, I would love, and this was just a random thought because I want to jump into the interview halfway through and ask something that's probably already been asked before, but I was casually just sitting there thinking, I'm like, what would make for a really fun show? And one day, maybe we get a random day to do this. Maybe it's on a Monday night during the off season. But I want people to call in, not really with their hot takes, but more so just with a segment of like, you know, this is why I think something should be the way that it is. And then we get to talk about it. We can talk about it with that person. Almost, you know, I, I don't want to say like debating wise or anything like that. But there just you go, quick, Nick. Yeah, You're going to call like, in right now. Just like quick little. Yeah. Uh, someone call in I, and just give me I a subject. Real quick. Go for it. I, I good friend of the Nick and Matt show. He's been on it before. Carl from Statmando mm -hmm. uh, tweeted about he, he's five oh, nine. I which, saw your tweet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he's like, if I can't reach, you know, into the basket, it, like <laughs> we shouldn't have those. Something like that. I forget what he said exactly. So I was not trying to steal uh, Carl's thunder here, but I fully agree with him. Interesting and topic. Quote retweeted it and was like, hey, I'm starting my campaign officially now. <laughs> I want there to be uh, standard on basket heights. Drew Gibson said this in the past, but mm -hmm. I think there needs to be something. And I, I don't even care about the competition aspect of it, which is a whole other subject. I just want every single basket to be uh, able to be retrieved by really someone of virtually any height, like, I, like a baby's probably not going to like, they're not going to get it out of the basket, but let's say like, I, I don't know heights, but like uh, a, a young kid who's starting to play disc golf, you know, Matt, one of your kids who can throw 250 feet, but might not be able to grab a disc out of an elevated basket. If you have a town park and you're like, Hey, go play disc golf. Like I'm like, go ride your bike over to the course and go play. And they can't play a hole because it's too tall and they can't get their disc out. Or, well, you know, cool other course. Like I not to get, there should be standard rules. About okay. That. But and not to get Matt, carried away. You can't take me off of it. Yeah. Not to get carried away. But like if my four-year-old's playing, is that the standard we need to build it off of no, my four-year-old? Because you're there. This, no, I'm, but you're I'm there. just trying to say yeah. to Evan's point, like we're, what, what are we, what are we aiming yeah. for? And there's obviously really short people in this world too. Uh, there's people in wheelchairs, which by the way, the wheelchair that actually got, adopted into rules this year which is fantastic that there's modification for rules for people like that and when i say people like that that probably sounds offensive i mean people who are using wheelchairs they can now play the game of disc golf with official rules so i'm thinking evan to your point maybe that's where the conversation goes it's like if you have a group of players who you know are going to be in this age height or if a, a uh, someone registers for your event kind of a thing. Maybe there's ways to accommodate that because to your point, I think what you're saying and correct me if I'm wrong, we want this sport to be accessible to all. And that's what I hear yeah, you saying. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah. And so if it's, you know, there has to be at least one basket per layout, if it's something like that. Um, so you have an option to play with. If you have an elevated basket, that's, you know, a 10 foot tall pole and you got to put into it and there's a spiral ladder, you know, whatever there's a course somewhere that's that. And I always yeah. hate seeing it because it angers me. Yeah. Um, it, like competition wise, it's also really hard too. It's not mm-hmm. just, you know, they can't reach it and they got to get a step stool. Right. If like, if you're playing in wind, like, forget trying to putt into a bat. Like it's so like I, I can be nervous about a six foot putt. If there's a putting into a headwind on a raised Uphill. basket. Yeah. Or like raised basket. So yeah. I just, I, 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 tend- just, I don't like it for that aspect too, but that's a whole other com- uh, conversation for the competition aspect, but I do want it to be playable by all. I feel like, and this is the innovation side of me, inventor side of me. And I, I kind of want to move on from this topic after this because it's kind of not pointless. It it's fun. It's meant to be quick. Yeah, I'm it's fun. It's fun. But no, I'm long. thinking through it now. Like the basket portion, like the the catching portion, uh, you could pretty easily put that on like a sliding track system that's weighted similar to like a sliding window like that opens and shuts at your house. It's not super heavy. Uh, you could almost make it so like it, whether it's a string or a chain or something dangling or you could just reach up to the basket and you could just pull it down, get your disc out and slide it back up. That like... I know that's crazy in the long, like long term, maybe it's not crazy immediately. It'd be crazy. So anyways, let's move off of that. Oh, well, I'm gonna Unless say, you think that was a good I'm, idea. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm going to say one thing. And this was when I played the open of Belton back in 2022. Um, a lot of their elevated baskets were natural mounds. And so the basket did sit, it didn't sit higher, but it mm-hmm. was raised up because of a natural mound. And I actually thought that was a really cool addition where it just felt true it felt normal it, it created the green was a little mm-hmm. bit harder you wanted to land on the left side of the green and have a easier putt than if you landed on the right side where there was probably a little bit more chance to roll away or go a little bit further because then you're putting uphill um yeah i love but, that also hate it but that's more of a uh it's tough <laughs> i hate it <laughs> see i, <laughs> I don't mind those I, disc golf I, hate yeah it. Uh, but i do i do love you can, it uh, you can walk for, up the mound yeah. and pick out the disc yes. it sits at a normal height on the mound it's just elevated from the ground it was a, yeah by that it's a good topic um yep. let's I come prepared with the debate that, at some point <laughs> he hates that you hate it um <laughs> eagle mcmahon's getting a surgery in three days from the time of recording uh the 26th is what he made publicly announced in his press conference at the disc golf pro tour championship finale um or tour championship i should say i get mm-hmm. that always backwards because of how long the events have changed its names over all the years but uh he says that he's has a torn labrum or a partial torn and he's getting surgery and he believes that he's really healthy and in a good spot so that recovery should happen during the off season and he'll be stronger than ever and better ready to go. Um, do how, what's your initial reaction to that? Do you feel like Eagle that is holding him back or is this just something that he feels like he just needs to get done to remove that I'll say obstacle or that at least in his mind, like, Hey, I can only throw 80% forehand or whatever. Like who, who else in the sport have we seen kind of get a major surgery and then come back from it off the top of your head? Can you, think well, of we're going to see Paige here soon. She's in her rehab, yeah. but we don't know. And the yeah. same will be for you. This is, this is, yeah. this is kind of what I'm bringing up Rathbun is who did that. He, he had Gavin, a shoulder yep. as well. Yep. Um, and then I'm, I'm trying to oh, think uh, again like Gannon with his, uh, <laughs> leg. You could say like, didn't Paul Ulibarri tear his ACL? Did he get that? Did he just like, no, like if you can, you don't have I'm to get positive. surgery on it. No, but Gannon, Gannon did get surgery. Uh, I don't remember if it was an ACL or whatever it was. Gannon Burr? Yeah. Oh right. yeah. Right. This first year he tried to tour uh-huh. the very, or tried to tour. He was going to hit up some events Yeah. and he 
had to get surgery okay. after like a longboard skating incident. Reason. And so it was a full re he talked to me about it here. Yeah. He literally said, and this isn't private information, but like his leg was stiff to the point where when the brace or cast was removed, like he could not bend his leg. It was stuck straight out. Yeah. And he says rehab for months. He said it was kind of scary to the point where like after a while, you're like, am I ever going to be able to bend my leg yeah. again? And so now this, look at him. So, yeah. So but this, he's young, but this, he was young. He was like 16. Yeah. This is, this is why I'm bringing it up. It's like, we just had on Will Shushrick, you know, a couple of weeks ago now at this point, right before the USCGC, Will Shushrick, some of the best incredible, most incredible backhand form back in the day dealt with a shoulder injury that caused a lot of hitches into his throw. We were talking, he was putting left-handed at USCGC. He wasn't kidding when he said that. I've seen videos of it and it was awesome, but it just sucks that it ever got to that point. And that's someone who did have the potential chance to get a surgery, but didn't know what the kind of after effect would be for that surgery. It's and true. so I think looking at Eagle, who is still a young player, he's not old by any means. I don't really consider him a veteran yet, but he's been on the tour for a while. He's a great player, major champion. But yeah, I think this is a great move. You're doing it in the off season. If he has to take the first half of 2024 off, I don't think he's going to have any issues still getting into the tour championships or the tour finale at the end of the year. Like, I think this is a big deal. I think it's a big deal, but I also think it's a great move on his part. And I think this is going to kind of, and I know there have probably been players before this, but pioneer these players that are dealing with injuries for a long time, maybe pioneer to where in the off season, these are also surgery is not cheap. Health insurance isn't cheap. All those things. Like I know he's going to be dropping a pretty penny on all of this and this is something where he is in a more luxurious situation of probably gets paid pretty well being one of the best players if not the best player on disc mania um to where like <laughs> that's a fun can, conversation yeah where yeah. he he can actually make this happen so yeah, I, I think what I'm, you said, I'm excited to see it it's obviously it's a bummer that he has to go through this just the whole shoulder tear in general and what happened but to actually be able to see this unfold i think is going to be very interesting I think with what you say about just health insurance, like that's the toughest part that I think has been holding disc offers. I mean, think about yeah. 10 years ago, how many players like had an actual like employment type mm -hmm. status uh, compared to now where it's much more official. I, yeah. I, I don't know how many players have health insurance, but it's a good number now, I would say, um, at least in the U.S. here. Mm -hmm. I, I don't I think it's kind of. I, in my opinion, I think it's kind of silly to worry about surgery, um, except for the monetary cost as an athlete. Like it's yeah. just surgery is something in, <laughs> in today's age of what we know, uh, it's just something that happens, uh, to so many different players. Like some players might not have to get surgery on something, but like, if you get injury, it's very, it, it's, it's very common to have surgery after like a legitimate injury now in all sports. Yeah. Um, like, I mean, uh, <laughs> I, I just think it's something that you have to understand happens. It's not like a, I have surgery. I might never walk again. Yeah. It's like, it's like, no, like you tear your ACL, you can live without getting it, you know, reconstructed, but it just, you're not going to be a top athlete. Like you can't perform at a top level anymore. You got to get that repaired. Um, or I don't even know what they do with it. I think they take ligaments or whatever from yeah. other parts of the body. So that's really the reconstruction part. <laughs> exactly. uh, like, it it's it's trusting the rehab too which is a whole mm -hmm. process you need a whole you need to have uh people who know uh what type of exercises to do and you know disc golf strong talks about it but like there's other sports that have similar things like you can go to tennis or baseball uh if one of those people know the type of ways to strengthen it back up but like it's not to be scared of surgery Zach Melton was someone who I think also went through the surgery he tore his knee at Waco oh, right past he year. just played at the so yeah. events yeah so Evan, you might know this answer better than I do, but Dylan Cease, didn't, when he first got into league, did he have a surgery? 
you have I, any idea? I don't know for sure. I don't know his track record, but we I, can I will TMZ say, text him right uh, now. I, I could text him right now, uh, but it's one of those things uh, where, like, can, you see, you see MLB pitchers. Get I don't think it's John. a big deal for you this get, conversation. Yeah, so it's, more so, it's more so the Tommy John surgery. But mm-hmm. then let's say I, let's say Dylan did get it, and I'm not 100 percent sure whether he did or not. But for some odd reason, I think in my head he had some sort of surgery. But he came back and he was second in the AL, or excuse me, the the Cy resources this guy has. Yeah. Is it's at the insane. top, so, top notch. Yeah. yeah. So, quick story: the Tommy John surgery is named after the player who uh, I think he was the first one to get this new a surgery. And before, when you got this injury, which is in your elbow, it was essentially your pitching career is over. You can't mm-hmm. pitch at a high level. You just can't do it. Uh, he got the surgery. It worked, um, and they have now improved on it so much that if you get the surgery, you're out for a while. I think it's like a 15 month recovery, which is mm-hmm. over a year, of course. Uh, but you're you're back to normal, and it's. It, it's to the point where like you're almost i think you're almost better off getting it to help that in specific injury later on so they're almost like recommending young pitchers like if it happens just get it right away because mm. then you're kind of better longer term that might be false but i feel like i've heard that i don't really know exactly i'm not the best at the medical stuff yeah. uh, but i do know that tommy john's incredibly popular i heard a stat that a th- i it, I can't believe this is true. Like I, I feel like it's wrong, because, but I'm going to say it still because I read it. It was a <laughs> third of pitchers got Tommy John surgery this year, which I didn't believe. I was like, that's got to be a mistake. Is that third of pitchers uh, got Tommy John surgery at some point? But even that is kind of crazy that like, it's so common for pitchers to get surgery now and, and disc golf, you know, I don't think it's as straining as an MLB pitcher throwing a hundred miles an hour uh, or 95 plus in today's game. I don't think it's as strenuous as that, but it's not like a, a normal movement. It's not like you're just a uh, casual runner or, yeah. you know, like I feel like soccer maybe is less bad on the body or, or things well, like that. Well, like there is odd movements yeah. and like the twisting isn't meant to be that way. <laughs> Excuse me. We push our bodies to the limits. So injuries will happen with that. And it's just something you have to what's, learn. And that's part what's of that movie playing a sport. That, that kid breaks his arm and then he throws it a oh, mile. Rookie, rookie of the, of the year. year. Yeah. We'll One see. of the greatest movies of all time. Eagle McMahon. So well, I was going to say, we can, we can put this to the test where we can say, hey, Dylan, for a week straight, go play a golf course style disc golf course, <laughs> play two rounds a day for practice, and then play three or four round tournament. And when your course. career's over. Yeah. And then <laughs> the MLB. No, 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 just, just tell me what's harder, being an MLB pitcher oh. or a touring disc golfer. So uh, as we move on from this topic, someone said, hey, maybe we could start changing the courses, make them shorter, yada, yada, this whole idea. Uh, I think that was so, somebody, I, I'm missing where I, I read it, but uh, I don't think that's the answer. I think players need to start managing themselves a little bit better. So. In, I got That's what. That's what I'll say about that. I TMZ'd it, and I texted Dylan. <laughs> what did he say? He goes, "Dear Nick, in 2014, I had a <laughs> reconstruction of my UCL ligament. Sincerely, that's Tommy Dylan C's MLB pitcher. <laughs> so, <laughs> I hope he tuned in here. You read that too. That's so yeah. funny. And then, well, because I'm in a group chat with him and Paul, and okay. we're just talking about stuff. But then Paul goes, "Yeah, you're not a real pitcher if you hadn't had Tommy John." Okay, but, that's funny. So just dear Nick. Anyways, <laughs> yeah, he's awesome. Wicked funny dude. But yeah. um, so this is I, while we're on the subject of injuries, though, and the chat has kind of been bringing it up a little bit is um, the way that the courses are nowadays compared to 10 years ago or even seven, six, five years ago. The courses are a lot longer. The tournaments are a little bit more strenuous. You're playing practice rounds on these longer courses. You're playing tournament rounds on these longer courses. I mean, I think that has a big deal to do with it. and disc golfers until recently the last few years i would say 
are not the most of athletic people when you consider athletics and other sports. That is the, that's the direction this needs to go. Yeah. I think well, the, the pace of yeah. the course development compared to the pace of the, the player development, I think maybe was a little skewed to the top percentage of players who could actually keep up with that. Um, and I say keep up with that lightly because, yeah, you're seeing some people get hurt. But I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think if we can figure out what these limitations are, not by injury, but by like actual physical education and trainers saying, because correct me if I'm wrong, like Seth Muncie, I think he's fantastic, but he would go, this is not safe to do. Like, I believe he stands up for what he thinks is healthy and not. And maybe you'd say he's not the best, but I think he's pretty good. You say, this is not safe to throw discs this far and this many, but you look at all these professional sports where how many pitches does Dylan do at 80 miles an hour plus every game, 90 miles oh, an hour goodness. plus, <laughs> like how many pitches? <laughs> Yeah, it's change up. Uh, I mean, pitchers in today's game generally stay below 100, but that's not counting warm up and long toss. I mean, we went right. to the game where we saw him, like he's throwing like 200 feet before the game, maybe not that far, but uh, uh, like 150 foot throw. He's doing uh, practice throws, like he's doing his whole warm up routine. It's probably like pushing 200 total pitches, and then mm -hmm. you don't count like bullpen sessions in between uh starts like he probably rests a day or two after but then he's leading up he's probably throwing you know 30 yeah. to 50 to 80 to 100 i don't even know uh pitches uh leading up i to feel it, so. like your average four round event is not putting any more strain on or, or shouldn't let me put it that way like if you're trained professionally and i don't know what that means exactly but if you're trained professionally in disc golf with a trainer who's observing a coach somebody that i don't think four rounds at least to your arm is not putting on much more than what a pitcher goes through. Now, some might call me out and say, yeah, I have no clue what I'm talking about, but if you play it out, you're going to have somewhere in the range of 70 to 80 drives in a four round event drives. Uh, and some of those are going to be par fours and fives, which we're talking about the longer layout. So some of those are going to have multiple throws, but they're not going to be your full drives. Uh, I feel like you're in that range of a hundred, 120 spread out over four days Whereas some pitchers are doing a hundred to your point, Evan, I feel like it's not outrageous. I think players are going to have to develop to understand their limitations. And if they feel like they're limited, go out and play their game. Do not try to overdo it. Now, this whole thing started because Eagle hurt himself doing something funny or uh, creative. I'll, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, That's yeah. a better word <laughs> in yeah. The Jomez production where he did a 360 forehand throw and it's on camera somewhere on a second B cam where you can see him do it and he holds his shoulder. This was not from overuse. Uh, look at most of the players right now. They aren't suffering from overuse. There are going to be injuries, but that is not our big problem right now. I will I think, be interested to see. I think if you ask majority of pros, though, um, and say like, hey, disc golf five, six, seven years ago compared to nowadays, yes. every single pro will say like, we are stretched out more than ever. It is, but I'm telling you, it's the advancement of the player is slower than the advancement of the course design. It, I'll, I'll, I, I'll end my rant on this and this doesn't carry too much weight. Don't get me wrong. But in 2019, I played the MVP open and that was a tournament local to us. And I wanted to do very well at it. So I was working construction. I was, you know, pretty much lifting at my job, working out with what I do. And then also I hired a personal trainer, one of our good buddies around here. And two or three days a week, I went to the personal trainer. And this happened for maybe two months before the event. I wanted to feel like I was in the best shape that I've ever been in my life. I had actually, I was running back then, 
the week of the tournament, Paul and I were doing mile or two mile runs um, before every single day of practice rounds or even afterwards. I played two practice rounds a day and then I went to the tournament, played three rounds, shot under par for a total at the MVP Open, which was incredible. And I think I got 36th or 37th. Like it's definitely by far my best finish I've ever had mm-hmm. at a disc golf pro tour event. I and that's when I felt the healthiest I've ever felt. Now, if I go out and play, if I try to do that right now, like my back and my hip are very out of line right now. Like it hurts to throw a lot currently. Um, but that's just because I'm a lot more out of shape than I was back then. And I'm slowly getting back into it, but I'm also, I'm not touring, you know, like professional players are nowadays. So, but just that little bit of extra effort of hiring someone who knows exactly what they're talking about and working on core movements for disc golf. When I was playing the actual tournament itself, only playing one round a day was like, I'm ready to go back out and play two more rounds. Like I feel so good right now. And you know, just like I said, just a little bit of effort. Yeah. You invest in your body a little bit more than what the normal person does. And you're going to see an outcome from it. And you know, it's tough because you got to spend money to make money. And that was my thing is I spent a lot of money on the personal training and, you know, but I wanted to do that to feel healthy. And I wanted to go to that. I remember all that. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe only made like three fifty or 400 bucks back then. Like it wasn't a lot of money. Don't get me wrong. Like I technically lost money for what I did, but it was the best I've ever played at a pro tour event. I played with people like Seppo, Jordan, Refrescura. I had a gallery following us around because Seppo is such an awesome dude. You know, parked hole three actually went 15 feet long of hole three. Was birding one, 11, 12, 10. Back in the day, he used to be able to birdie 10. I can't do that anymore. So. All right. I, anyway, I keep wanting to yeah. move on, but then there's these chats that come up, and I just want to say two things. One is I want to reiterate. I said the advancement of the course is faster than the, the the skill or the increase of the player. I don't mean skill because the players are able to do this, which is why they're developing the courses to be the way that they are. But I was more alluding to the physical development, athleticism, training is slow pace compared to that. So like players can keep up with it. Nick, even out of shape, can throw some of the decent big required shots, but he's going to hurt himself. That's my point. So they're developing the courses for the higher score or skill, but the players aren't yet developed fully to keep up with that. Um, they can throw the shots, but physically I, that's what I meant. And then to West, the acres MLB pitcher throws a hundred full, a hundred full speed every five days. Disc golf throws 250 over four days, but maybe not full speed. We're on the same track there, but here's what I would say to that. First of all, if you're talking about every throw, you said 250, I'm assuming you mean all strokes. You're just playing it out in your head, 60 or whatever, 62 strokes average. But the problem is you got to get rid of what 70 something there for putting. We're not talking about putting. So like you're, you're really, you're below, you're probably closer to the uh, 175 yeah, yeah. and then you probably have a lot of short yeah and then you have a lot of shorter approach shots so i still think you're closer to that like 125 number maybe 100 for throwing pretty hard uh it'd be fun to test that maybe we could find some stats on that but uh, yeah okay my last, last thought is, yeah last thoughts <laughs> it's just i i think the biggest thing in my opinion is load management and there's that's a uh-huh. wide array yes. i mean that's that's the yes. keywords in the Agreed. nba right now yeah um is whether that's hey fewer practice rounds like limit it to you know one a day hey do more walking on the course instead of throwing on the course mm-hmm. or uh load yes. management is picking which weekends you play like yes. hey i'm gonna hit this stop but not this one Th- there's lots of different ways to do it um I think disc golfers right now, it's all, you know, independent contractors, so to speak. You're going to try to work as much as you can. You're going to work as hard as you can. Uh, They're on on tour and they're professional athletes for a reason. They have that drive to always do it. And they like disc golf. So they want to play as many rounds as possible. 
they don't have a stop in them. Some players do, mm-hmm. and they get to that point where they're like, hey, I know what I need to do. I know what my body needs. But I do think it's something that needs to be more prevalent on tour. If there was maybe, you know, I, I'm not saying tour managers need to do this already or team managers, excuse me, need to do this already. But maybe there's someone like that who's like, hey, uh, you know, Gannon Burr, like, hey, get your one practice round in today. Uh, walk the course again if you want, but don't throw. Um, like, hey, get your 200, 500, whatever putts in, but don't throw any full, full mm-hmm. power drives today. Um, Hey, like just feeling how you are again. And how are you? Oh, I'm at like 70%. My arm's kind of hurting. All right, we'll finish this event, but then don't play next week. Um, drop out of the, the a tier you're playing locally next week. Like there's things like that. And I'm throwing, I'm saying Gannon's name here. He, yeah. he might be one smart enough to do well, this. Well, yes and no. I mean, I watched these younger players come through town. <laughs> oh, I did. I did too. I Whether or not I was, I'm saying Gannon, I'm just saying, yeah, I watch these players come through and they do all these extra things, but not all of them. Some are starting to see the benefit or the value of not. And I think that's something to look at. Like you don't see a lot of extra throws coming out of the more mature players. Okay. Uh, it, I think it's a growing pain of our sport. I think it's just the sponsors are going to need to say, we'll pay you more uh, so that we can keep you healthy. All right. So that is one thing that I think will be interesting to watch as Paige Pierce comes back as well. That I am really interested in. Oh, Chris and Tatar got surgery. Yes. Oh my goodness. Oh, yeah. How did we miss that? My God. I'm like just thinking of something. <laughs> the, I've literally been thinking about the whole time. Chris and Tatar got surgery. After yeah. That surgery. Yeah. How did, did she have a good season? World championship, you know? <laughs> so, oh, just the world championship. Oh, that's no, okay. Yeah, yeah, but the, you know, that's what we talk about. Oh, yeah. Saddle, that Anyways, small thing. Yeah. Okay. So there is success <clears> to it. Uh, I was perusing social media as always. If you're a part of these groups, you see the same stuff, but someone said the crate, what's the craziest disc golf story you've ever had? And I, I've, I've shared, we've done all different ones on this, on the show before. I, I remember Jay Yeti Redding had a disc thrown, uh, at him <laughs> and unintentionally, but in a distance, comp, like not competition, but a distance warm up. And I think it was 350 or 400 feet away. The disc hit him, but it spun and melted his shirt and the disc actually infused to his shirt. So it was hanging melted to his shirt. That is something that I've seen. There's a picture and it left a mark on him too, but it like melted to his shirt. Crazy. But this person, that was not the one that they had posted. They said they were playing a glow round and an owl. (laughs) This is incredible. An owl swooped down and got the disc. I thought you were going to say someone, Randy Johnson, an owl. Light. Uh, the mid-flight part, I'd have to go back and look. It's either it landed or and he got it, which down. is crazy, or mid-flight. Either way. Yeah, no matter what, it's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, How do they know it was an owl? It was dark out. Well, <laughs> yeah, but some big bird. You know when an owl is flying through the woods. It's crazy. Actually, and then grab a disc at midnight. I'll fill you in a little secret. Owls are one of the quietest creatures ever yeah, to fly. You, can't even you hear almost them. can't even hear them. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. I saw a video on it. I don't know why I just came up with We're YouTube experts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've watched it yeah. too. It's like four They did microphones yep. and you yep. can't even like. It. Yeah. The dude like calls over a hawk. I'm like, that's such a sick job. Imagine being able to like call a hawk to your bidding. Sick. All right. Now the chat's getting carried away. Baseballs are 145 grams. Discs are. <laughs> no. Doesn't matter. Okay. I'm also, you want to know what's very lucky for us? And baseball pitchers are throwing 100 miles an hour, though. We aren't yeah. doing that yet. Also, baseball players and baseball pitchers are potentially getting a ball hit back at them <laughs> at a very high rate of speed. So, like, I'm going to take disc golf every day of the week. That's twice so funny. Day, so. <laughs> That's so funny. We could change the game up yeah. and, like, put zones out there, like OB, but it's actually, yeah. like, people waiting to huck the disc back oh, at God. you if it goes in there. Okay. Um, let's see. So that was a crazy story. Just breaking up the conversation a little bit here. Um, 
Oh man. So players that are announcing, right? So this is the off season. And I remember last year and maybe the year before, and there's always like this, like, Oh, it's going to be a quiet off season. And that's what everyone thinks until it actually gets going. Um, how confident or not confident are we on that? Uh, I think it seems pretty obvious that there's going to be some moves. Um, we already alluded to, we're pretty confident about Gannon Burr. Um, but are there others that we think are coming? And then answer this. Do you feel like announcing earlier is better for the media exposure portion of it or later? Um, or does it even matter? Who cares? The media exposure, like, do they need to make a big deal out of a change if they're doing a change? Is it good for their brand? Like, uh, Carter Aaron's mm -hmm. he's, I will say it. He's not big time, but he has the potential to be big time. He's a skilled, really incredible young disc golfer performed at a high level. Mm -hmm. He announced extremely early, like, Hey, I'm going to Lone Star. This was weeks ago now. Um, so he got all the attention. I mean, the pro tour and everybody's like sharing yeah, it. Like Aaron's yeah, is going to Lone Star. Videos, and I'm yeah. like, well, dang, maybe I should yeah. post where I'm going and see yeah. if the pro tour will share it. It's not, obviously I'm yeah. being facetious, but like is earlier better for media exposure? Does it matter? And then I'm asking, do you have any like feeling, gut feeling besides the Gannon talk? Yeah. Is there anybody else that we're feeling, man, there's going to be some big moves, rumblings, well, so things we're hearing out there. This, this, I want to get on the Carter thing really quick is you know, he probably signed a deal with DD till the end of the year. So now you think, okay, this player is either breaking contracts early technically, or is it till the end of the disc golf season? And that's what always confuses me about these really early signings. This one, like, DD said he had asked to leave and they permitted it. Okay. That's how they wrote it. Gotcha. So then I'm thinking in my head of like, why, I don't know, why ask to leave two months before the end of the year? I don't know. I'm also not a big time player, so <clears throat> it's a different story, but this is, I was talking to my buddy Seth about this today and we were talking about off season. What do we talk about in the show? And I was like, it's a lot of speculation on where players are going. It's, you know, a big time of the year for off season signings. We like to see that. I love to see it. It's also somewhat tough as, as someone who every so often is kind of in the know about things in disc golf. Leaky leakers. Yeah, exactly. I don't want to be a leaky leaker. And so it's kind of tough. So what you're like, saying is you do know and have a feeling there's rumbling right now, right now, I, right now I don't know about anyone. I haven't really put my little birdies out there yet, but it's, you know, like last year, you know, players like Anthony Barella, you kind of hear about Simon that. Simon you know, Yeah, exactly. You hear about that a little bit before they're going to drop it. And uh, so then we get to talk on the show and be like, oh, gosh, no, AB to discrep would never happen. And meanwhile, in the back of our heads, we're all like, I know I can't wait to be able to actually talk about this. But, I'm, um, that's interesting because yeah. last year I actually complained about this. So I don't know. We'll feel it out this year. I kind of don't want to be in the know because it makes it more interesting to talk about. I kind of want to be in the know. So I'll just listen to all your bad takes with it. And then I'll just sit here and be like, oh, it. that is later yeah, though. Exactly. He laughs about it later. Little do you know. <laughs> yeah. Little like, do you know. Uh, yeah. Simon's not going to prodigy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Nick, as, as, uh, as Ben says, Nick will be in bed at night going, Oh, I'm so happy. I have all the yeah. information. <laughs> yeah, uh, sometimes it kind of sucks. You hear about it. That's and you're what just I'm like, saying. Damn, I can't even talk I about know. It right that's yeah, what no, I'm saying. I, I totally get, I like, totally get part of me is like, thanks Simon for telling me you're going, but now I can't even talk about it. I think, I think if we're talking about the players who we've been speculating about, I mean, I think Gannon's one of the biggest ones this year i think he'll be if he does end up leaving prodigy um that'll be the biggest signing for whatever company gets him i think out of all the players this year um i mean personally i do think there are kind of lower tier players still in the professional scene that will bounce around companies um i don't exactly know yeah, who yet i think i agree with that but i 
as I, long I don't, as, like yeah i'm not gonna call it a quiet off season but i i think it you know 2021 into 2022 yeah. was <clears throat> hype and then last off season was you know some big moves i mean simon of course being the biggest mm-hmm. there's some excitement but i think this year will be less than that but it will still have some fun moves to talk about so it's not Definitely. like we're gonna be if that. Matt, i want to answer your question you answer it then yeah, yeah yeah all right so i i want to give the boring answer first which is the best time to <laughs> announce your oh. uh oh. Oh, I thought that was on my end for a second. <laughs> the best time to announce your new sponsor is when they have disc ready to drop with your name on it. Money. Um, if you can, yeah, if you like, that's when the hype is the greatest and that's when you're going to sell the most discs. Uh, if you, doesn't matter if you get the most press time, uh, if it comes, you know, March and you're just releasing your disc, but you announce in December, I don't think it's going to mean all that much unless something else happens. I feel like, um, just at least get those pre-orders in or something like you got to do something to get off of it and be uh, exciting right away. But if I'd rather be earlier or later, I, I want to be the one that stands out the most. Yeah. Uh, so you don't want to announce when there's 10 other announcements that day. That's the worst time to do it. But I think being early is better than being late. I think Carter Aaron's, he, he, he's such a good example of like, he's a good player. He's an up and comer. Yes. We're excited about him. Mm-hmm. Is he really a big name? Like he had one or two good events this year, but he's, he's in a pool of like dozens of players who are in the same skill level. He might come out to be, you know, one of the better ones. Sure. I'm not, I'm not like saying he's a nobody uh, by any means, but he's in a pool of a lot of very good players who are on the cusp of breaking out, but he announces here and now And one, he announced he was leaving first. So that got some traction. Then he announced he's going to Lone Star really first um, that people are going to be talking about him all off season. Yep. And Until his the name is going to be yep. gonna, like, yeah, we're going to have another big one, but then he's still going to get brought up and people oh. are going to remember him. Mm-hmm. And on the flip side, Lone Star is really smart by this too, because if you remember mm-hmm. last year, everyone was like, Hey, Lone Star had such a great off season. Lone Star had such a great off season. Mm-hmm. You really look at it and you're like, eh, they got like Emerson Keith who, yeah, he got oh, a win this year. Yeah. <laughs> they uh, got Nicola Castro who, you know, had a down year, but then Lisa fake like, those were really their three big signings. I mean, they got Robert Burridge Burge. and Chandler Kramer was already Mason for, no, no, Mason. Mason was, sorry. Mason's yeah. men. So my point being is like their signings were very like average. Like they're, you know, all yeah. those are, good players who could get a win like Emerson yeah. did, but could like, uh, honestly, like um, Nico was in obscurity most of the year. We didn't talk about him a lot. You know, mm-hmm. he just wasn't getting those lead cards. He wasn't getting those top finishes. So Lone Star didn't have a lot going on for their team all season, but they got so much press in the off season that people kept on bringing him up. Yeah. Like, Hey, they made such a good off season where Discraft might've gotten better players, but people weren't talking about Discraft like that yeah. because it was in the uh, pool of everyone else getting signings or towards the end. Mm-hmm. So I think that pretty clearly states being early is the best. I would agree. And it'd be hard to know when everybody else is announcing anyway. So going earlier is probably your best bet. Uh, if I say it, I want to be clear. I'm saying this is speculation just using information that I've heard over the year that Gannon is likely to leave. We've talked everything about the court cases, all the drama there. Um, It seems likely that that's the case. Um, If that does happen, I'm just presuming it again. If that does happen, is that the biggest off season change up that we will see? Yes or no? I think for this year. Yes. Okay. Unless I, someone I like a you know top FPO player, <clears throat> or another Tatar. top MPO player, <laughs> I, which I don't really think we would see any of that. This is this is where I'm really really curious on, and I think Chris from DiscGolf.Law posted about the signing of House of Discs mm-hmm. taking over Discmania. Yep. Um, well, just like latitude, yeah, dynamic, yep. or like look at 
you know, Dynamic has never been their own manufacturer, so to say. Latitude's kind of always manufactured for them, I'm pretty sure. And so then, okay, now this company acquires Latitude. Do they have, you know, ownership, management kind of, do they look at a player, let's say like Ricky Wysocki? And fortunately, Ricky did win the final event of the year. But do they look at his contract? Can it be null and void? Because now House of Discs controls yeah, everything. Yeah, I remember hearing So this is where this, it's yeah. something where it's like, could Kona leave? Could Ricky leave? And those were two of DD's biggest signings over the last few years. So if someone like Ricky was to leave or was kind of like forced to leave, I think that creates a little bit more drama than the Ganon Burr stuff. I think if Ganon had not posted everything about, you know, the lawsuit or I'm leaving Prodigy or anything like that, if all of this was never said and Ganon all of a sudden is just like, yo, leaving Prodigy, going to mint discs then we'd all be like, oh my God, that is completely mm-hmm. out of the loop. But now we're kind of, I would say, expecting mm-hmm. Ganon to leave, essentially. Mm-hmm. So how yeah, about... That's a great point. I, I was going to say, I think there's only one name that I think can realistically top it because we're, we're assuming Paul McBeth's not going anywhere, Simon Lazar's not going no. anywhere, and Christian no. Tatar's not going anywhere. No. Um, I, I think there's a few FPO names that could be big sparks like Missy Gannon and Owen Scoggins. They, mm-hmm. I think they're both on their final years. I think Owens was only one year. Like those would be exciting. Like Evelina Salonen goes to a new company. Like those mm-hmm. could all be exciting, but I don't think they'd top the, uh, just the general hype for Gannon Boo, uh, yeah. Gannon Perk, excuse Gannon me. Boo. Gannon Boo. It's, it is Halloween season. <laughs> <laughs> that, is that is funny. That's a good mistake right there. Uh, I do think there's one name who, you know, not that I'm expecting him to leave, but it is known that they're on their final year of their contract. And that's Eagle McMahon. Um, there, uh, oh my, just let's start the, the drama now. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I will say I would like, people have been like, Oh, you might go to, you know, latitude now that latitude or house of disc, but latitude being the premier one, uh, bought this mania. I, I think it'd be pretty silly for Eagle to shuffle within the company of yeah. house of discs. Um, I think he's, uh, tied to the Dismania brand. I, but you know, if Discraft, Innova, prodigy MVP, yeah. uh, mint this, if any one of them, uh, come calling and offer eagle or bigger a bigger deal like you know that could happen and mm-hmm. i think that would have the surprise factor more uh so it could be bigger than ganon burr but you know oh. ganon had three wins this year at elite yeah. majors and eagle had none so uh <laughs> no matter uh, what ranking yeah. system has eagle at number one uh ganon is as of now i think the better player uh but i think the hype would be uh different to uh eagle moving I'll I'll change it the trajectory of this conversation to this. What company needs to sign a player? And who is Latitude's best MPO player? When you say need, I'm assuming you're talking publicity wise. Like you're not, are you talking about like death? yeah, but you're talking about like the health of the company. If they don't sign somebody big, they're bad. Or do you mean I don't think the health of the company, but like Or do you mean they don't have that? Like, they don't have that person. Like Westside okay. did it until Matteo okay. won this year. Westside did not have that. Now I know Westside's part of the trilogy. Tr- excuse me, the trilogy. But like Latitude sixty four, who is their top MPO player? Yeah, that travels in the U.S. full time. I know they have a lot of incredible players overseas, but who is their top MPO player yeah, in the U.S.? Johnny McRae. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. Uh, but like you know, in yeah. all seriousness, like they like Evan was just talking about shuffling around in the company. Like Kyle Klein. 
could very well be the face of Discmania if Eagle was to leave. Like Kyle's a great young player and could fulfill that role. Let's say Eagle left. Simon's already gone. Skill wise, he could probably fulfill that yeah. role. Yeah. Let's but say Eagle did actually go to Latitude. ability right now. Let's say Eagle, Eagle went to Latitude 64. I mean, look at everything Latitude is doing for Kristen. I think they are yeah, doing incredible by Kristen. I think they need that MPO player who's a dominant I don't think spectacle. Latitude needs it more than Dismania does, <laughs> all being under the same umbrella. No, 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 no. I and I think, like, people. You still I think want I, it. I get why people think that you could switch within the same brand because, oh, new disc, you get uh, more hype, and then, you know, it's it's something new and it's fresh and you sell more discs. But I think having that uh, tied to a company promotes that company so much. I mean, that's what uh, Simon and Eagle combined at Dismania was huge. Now, Simon going to MVP is a huge move, but it's a different company, of course. Yeah. So that was huge for MVP. Mm -hmm. uh, it would be huge for a company to get Eagle, but I don't think Latitude would really make a difference. Latitude can already start doing, hey, they want, um, I don't even, I, the, the Ballista Pro is making a comeback. Mm -hmm. And like, but Eagle's so tied to the cloud breaker that why would they do that? But uh, hypothetical here, they want to hype up the Ballista Pro. They could easily just have Eagle do something with that, even being Dismania and putting with his Rainmakers and throwing yeah. his whatever other dis he's throwing, MD3s, I don't know. Uh, so I, I don't think it makes any sense to shift within it. But I do see what you're saying about Latitude 64 is like, you know, they might want some other discs in their lineup to be highlighted because Kristen's doing a fantastic job mm -hmm. selling the Grace. That's a very popular disc now because of Kristen Tatar. So if they have someone who can sell a different, you know, the Saint, they want that to be popular. Yeah. They want just, a, they're not going to make Kristen throw a specific disc, but there's another one in the lineup they want someone to do. I do think getting an MPL player would be good. Like, I, I think if I'm Latitude 64, I don't know, does my mic sound hot? Mm -hmm. Every so often I hear like a crackling on sound. Of, okay, <clears> so I just want to make sure I'm not talking too loud. I think on Latitude 64 side of things, they throw a contract at Ganon Burr. Like, yeah, I, think, I think that would be I think they should huge. Too. Probably most companies are. Yeah, but I'm just saying like for Latitude, oh, that yeah, would okay. be, I think, an incredible investment. You have one of the best up and coming players in the world. His personality is getting better, whether it's on the camera or even off the camera. Like he's slowly getting there. And I know a lot of people when I just wrote, you know, said the Kyle Klein thing could be the head of Discman or the face of Discmania. I understand that he's not moving plastic like Eagle McMahon is. But you also got to think that if Eagle McMahon's not on Discmania and you have that other player, those Discmania people that are like Discmania freaks will buy the Kyle Klein stuff. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't think he would ever move plastic like Eagle does. But while we're just talking about companies that potentially need it, I think Latitude 64 on the MPO side of US disc golf, I think needs someone big. So let me say a few players' names on FPO specifically that I think have not reason to leave, but the ability with maybe the way that their season went um, to consider that. And I think that could be Lika Lawrenson. Mm -hmm. She had, a, we always talk about recency bias, her last half of the season or even further awesome. towards the last half, yeah. but it was good. Uh, enough where she can at least, and let's take the conversation here too. Players don't have to leave to get what they're worth. Now, at my company or your company, it it usually is hard to get that pay raise that maybe you deserve by staying there um, and just getting a raise. If you move companies, usually you get more because you're able to bar barter that easier. Mm -hmm. But with all that being said, I feel like Lika, I feel like Cat Merch has the ability to negotiate something here. We know it sounds tough usually with Innova, um, but I think she has that ability with her performances this year to say, hey, I think I'm worth more. Look how much I showed up. Look at the events I won. Um, I feel like Ella Hansen is 
there, but I don't, I'm not saying these are players that are going to leave. And I'm not saying that's the conversation. I'm saying they had the season where they can at least negotiate uh, or try to negotiate more or the potential that they could leave. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then, man, I I almost wanted to put Sayananda in that, but I don't think she's quite there. I think she just demonstrated that she is that player where she can and maybe will, but not every time. And people are going to have to take a bet on her. Um, and then Holland Handley, I think she stays with Discraft, but I feel like with that win and her performance through the season, that's a player who should should negotiate. Yeah. So those are the players uh, that stand out to I, me. I think there's one more. Give it. Uh, it and whenever you have players, like I, I want them Kristen to highlight Tatar. this. <laughs> I, like that's why you sign the person, like highlight this. Actually, I, I want to say one name first before I get into these. Okay. Is like Own Scoggins with Innova. Like, mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think she's leaving. She signed a contract last season. I don't know if it was multi-year. Or I not. don't think, yeah, exactly. But the way she throws the Destroyer, is very similar to how a lot of players throw destroyers. They're not throwing it like Calvin, but Calvin's destroyer is wildly popular. I mean, for good reason. He's a, a marketable player. But the way Own throws it, like the cut overstable uh, distance driver, like you see that a lot. And so having, you know, Own's destroyer, I think. Uh, I'm not, you know, calling out Innova here, but like you tie a player to a disc that makes them more marketable. Mm-hmm. If Own goes to a new company, but she goes to Discraft and she starts throwing, you know, the force or something, uh, I immediately start knowing that disc. Oh, I know how she would throw an overstable yeah. uh, distance driver. It's tied to her. So uh, players who I think are like super good, who aren't really tied to a disc that maybe should be, are players who I think should benefit a lot from a move where maybe they could start doing that. I think the first one I go to is Evelina Salonen. I mean, she has incredible power. She's super fun to watch. Uh, like she's been with Innova for a while. It'd be really cool to hear what her you know new bag is. If she does move. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to, before I move on from FPO, I have no inside scoop, but if I was a betting person, so I'll give all these, these little like precursors, what I'm about to say, Eliezra Mitling. Like she's gonna, I don't know her sponsorship situation right now, but I guarantee she's getting thrown stuff after her year that she had. Um, so both at junior worlds as well as, uh, throw pink. So we'll see what happens there, but I'm, I'm, I'm speculating, but I'm pretty sure let's look for that one. That one should be a pretty good one. Yeah. Um, but what I will be interesting is I, I, I hate to say it the way of, you know, proofs in the pudding. You, it makes a big deal out of it, and I'm trying to think of. We keep always going back to this this other FPO player. Um, I think you think of the Caroline Henderson. Thank you. With Prodigy, yeah, you thank you. Prodigy and I hate to yeah. do it, yeah. but like it was, it happened. It was a significant. It was significant news story of like she came out firing. Uh, I think there's a little injury there. Yeah, Maybe she, we can get her on and talk about injury. it. But like it happens, and you hope that they can capitalize on the like, hey, I got this sponsorship, and then they come out firing. That's really cool. Yeah. All right. MPO a little bit here. Um, I, I'm only going to say names that I think personally not have the ability to renegotiate, but are would be likely to be able to like do that as well as maybe move. But I think Isaac Robinson stands out to me. You win a world championship. You win two majors in the He's year. He's got another year in his contract. He's I know. For one more unless but, he tries to get out. Of course. Well, I was just going to say, but if I'm him and I'm not him, so I'm just talking for fun here. I'm going to go, hey, what can you guys do for me so I really like you? Because if my contract ends next year and I feel like you guys did nothing as way of like supporting me extra because of what I'm doing, like I would feel the same way at the company I'm at. Like if I somehow 
got my company two million dollar contracts. You know what I mean? Like, hey, I did that like all on my own. Mm-hmm. And they're just like, yeah, peace. We're just going to keep you with the same exact everything. Like throw you no bone. Now, granted, he gets bonuses. I'm sure all that stuff's happening. He's getting yeah. discs and all that. So, yes, that's being thrown. But like if Prodigy is like, this was our contract, buddy, like sucks to be you. I'm saying you're right. He's in the contract, but man, I feel like these companies could do a little and I'm not in the inside room. So maybe they're doing it, but they could do a little bit more to be like, we want to keep you in your contract. And so let's make you happy now too. You know, like let's give and take yeah. a little bit. You got a disc to the archives. So yes. like, maybe that was the maybe that's part of it. Exactly. Yeah. See, I'm, that's what I'm saying. I'm pretty sure when we've had him on in the past, he did say that after the year, he has a renegotiation clause. And I think that's the case. And I don't hundred percent remember, but I'm pretty sure I remember him saying that he does have something to where he can renegotiate after this year to like, you know, ask for a raise. True. Much. We did interview him. Yeah. So <laughs> we'll have, we'll have to go back. That. Yeah. We'll have well, to look back at that. Hey, but Matt, I know you're going to be naming names. I want to name, name a name names. before you Do name it. a name. Name uh, it. I want to name Isaac's brother, Ezra Robinson. Uh, yeah. You know, I think totally I think worthy. Prodigy, yeah. You know, uh, we're thinking Gannon's on the outs. Um, uh, Alden and Isaac have kind of been prodigies, you know, <laughs> headline players as of late, and they still have plenty of more players. I mean, think of Kevin Jones, Parker Welk, one of event, they have a full team. Uh, but as Robinson really rised up this year, showed his worth. And I would assume that he's on a one-year deal. That'd be my guess. I don't know for sure. Um, so, I, you know, maybe he loves prodigy, but, uh, maybe he uh, gets a sweet deal from elsewhere. So I wouldn't be surprised. He was standout. Um, James Proctor. This season, we tried to line our show up many times to get him on because that's he had that many different storylines throughout the year where it was worth trying. And between travel to Europe and everything else at those same times, it didn't work out. Maybe we can get him in on the offseason to see what's going on. But I feel like he had a season that uh, is worth at least throwing out there, whether they stay with the same company or they want to move like they're players who deserve to have at least some type of talk. I think I think he's got a pretty sweet gig, too. And this is what I'm also curious is how many more players are going to do the kind of mixed bag treatment mm-hmm. where, you know, James has infinite discs. He's got a couple, I think, signature series Thought or space. four series, but then also has thought space. Oh, sorry, Eric Oakley. Me as uh infinite clash and thought space i mean players like that i think I james think, proctor is also clash too is he clash too as well he, yeah, he think, very well could be Oakley yeah. are pretty much the same yeah. type of thing it very well could be and so that's where i think like i'm curious what players are going to roll with that you know it's out there but yep I, hey, we, we always talked about the future of, you know, being sponsored drivers by this company, bids by this yeah. company. Drew, uh, Drew's talked about it at, before. I mean, yeah. Drew had a, a putter I, sponsorship. Yep. Or has. Yeah. I don't I, really know. I, yeah. I don't think that's going to quite work out, but I do think a, um, uh, some of these newer companies trying to break in and newer is, you know, relative, but thought space and clash are two of the things I think of as they're, they're really okay with you being sponsored by them, repping mm-hmm. them, having a couple discs, but not a full lineup. Mm-hmm. Uh, thought space and clash both have essentially full lineups. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that's the way to do it. Um, and you can really, you know, get excited about it. Disc. you know, I don't know him off the top of my head, but I knew James Proctor has a few discs that he really, um, you know, lines up with. And I think it's like the conqueror or something from mm-hmm. infinite Disc. He just got a halo one and that's mm-hmm. exciting. And that really ties him to that. And it, yeah. it creates a, uh, a hype around a specific disc. So, um, I, I think that's a really good way to do it. And, I would be surprised if players don't do that a little bit more often. Not that I think everyone's going to do it, but uh, yeah, a couple more. Uh, One other name. 
Calvin Heimberg, I do not know inside scoop on his deal. He's not leaving. He no, 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 no. This conversation isn't who's leaving. Yeah. It's who had a season where they couldn't negotiate or renegotiate or or the company could try to uh, pursue them a little bit harder to say like they did with Paul. This is okay. This is where this conversation, it just struck. They signed me. an extension. It's what happened with Paul. Yeah, mid contract. So, yeah, like, so we after, like what you're doing after two years. We think said, you're actually earning us more money. Yes. Uh, here's the extended contract because yeah. we want to lock it in because we want you to be happy. We want to yeah. be happy. That's what I'm saying. So they like, almost it, looked at it and they're like, Hey, we're actually underpaying. This is you. what I'm saying. Yeah, so like I, I whether Calvin leaves or not, Calvin just had like an incredible year. Incredible. And you can take the Hunter Thomas at foundation approach and say he doesn't win. No, I'm kidding. That's a hot take that went viral that he doesn't win. And I've, I've, I've said the same thing so many times, um, <laughs> but he is so incredible of a player. My point is if you don't see the stacks of wins that you feel like for a quality of player, like he is, it sometimes doesn't stand out to you as how good he is. Yeah. But when you look at it, it goes who in their right mind wouldn't offer him as a company. Yeah. But Innova's not that company. And so I'm saying, like, whether it's contract, whatever it is there, Calvin seems like a guy that's just going, oh, I'm okay sitting here. Innova. I mean, <laughs> realistically, he definitely had a year. If Calvin wasn't winning, which he was at the beginning of the year yeah. and then towards the end of the year didn't, but we still talked about Calvin every single week, it felt like. You know, Calvin in the podium again, Calvin top five again. I mean, Evan obviously knows all the stats for that, but I feel like we were talking about Calvin almost every single week, which if you're sponsoring that guy, and your player is being talked about every single week. That's awesome. That's incredible. Yeah. And especially <laughs> and they they plastered his name on a disc that's one of the highest selling discs of all time. It's one of the most well-known discs being the Destroyer. They made it in a premium awesome plastic that is very cool to look at and they came out with different runs for it, different color combinations and they plastered it as this is the Calvin Heimberg Halo Destroyer and almost every single player that you see playing casually has a Halo Destroyer in their bag. And uh, I have them on my winning, shelf, but not yeah. in my bag. <laughs> winning is great. Like, don't get me wrong. Like Corey Ellis winning the European Open. Yeah. Like, I didn't like even huge, say his name. Good. Yeah. A good win for Discraft. Good win for Corey Ellis, like outside of like just the competition win. Uh, but to, to manufacturers and as a uh, advertisement, you know, marketing deal, uh, being on coverage just week in and week out is is really like almost as important, maybe if not more important. Being on a feature card, so being likable enough that that happens, mm -hmm. and then being on lead card or even chase, so like essentially DGN is the same thing now, being lead or chase, but uh, still having those Jomez rounds where you're getting 100 plus views easy, um, that's a huge deal. And so, mm -hmm. you know, Calvin, whether he could win zero events, and if he's on lead card every single week, I'm sure, you know, Innova are just like, yeah, that's awesome. That's exactly what we want. You're there. Well, Every it's what time. Innova wants. People know who you are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is he getting what he wants? And that's, I, I think, realistically, I peg Calvin as a very smart individual. But I also feel like yeah, I'm pretty sure he's got like a chemical uh, engineering degree. I would say he's pretty smart. I'm pretty sure he's happy like, right now. Calvin, yeah. the competitor, would love to win. Like he, yeah. he wants to yeah. win. But Calvin, you know, the, hey, let me get the most I can from a uh, deal like being on coverage is really just as good. I mean, it's the same idea as, you know, Simon Lazat, you know, him winning event. That's absolutely huge. Mm -hmm. Gets a lot, a lot of press. And that helps uh, this explosion of late with MVP. But Simon having YouTube videos that uh, get 150 within 24 hours, 150,000 to be clear yeah. uh, within 24 hours. 
that's the biggest seller to MVP. They would, if MVP probably could choose between, hey, Simon wins two events every single year, or Simon has a YouTube video every two weeks with 150,000 views. I think they're going to choose the YouTube video one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not that, you know, I was just a YouTuber. Like he obviously has value by being a good player too. Uh, but it's, it's what matters most to the manufacturer as a uh, advertisement deal. Yeah. Being in people's eyes is the most important. Mm-hmm. Winning gets you in people's eyes. That's a good thing. But being in people's eyes is, is there's many ways to get to that point. There are people who win who don't have the social kind of network that people who don't win all the time do. I mean, look at Gannon. Look at Isaac Robinson. Incredible years that they both had this year. Calvin Heimberg as well. But when you talk about who's bringing in views, the Simon stuff is. You know, Simon got the one big win of, you know, the year being at the Music City Open, coming back from the and, chase. And, and Deglo. And Too yeah, and Deglo. Excuse <laughs> me. And, <laughs> and Deglo. Sorry. Forgot about that Underselling one. Underselling Simon. Yeah. Totally forgot about that Sorry, one. Simon. But yeah, his videos that come out on YouTube are you know people look forward to that every single week or every single two weeks when the videos do come out he's dropping a new disc you know stuff like that they used simon the way that they should have this year how many players have two wins or more evan this year is there an easy way to look that up um uh, if we're including silvers no and silver. any disc golf pro tour events, elite series and above yeah, yeah let's just do elite well almost just because i already have it pulled up yeah 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 there's okay. eight that had uh two or more uh Disc off pro tour two or more, but let me go through them. Kyle Klein did, Simon did, Eagle did not. They were both silver slash Euro tour, accounting mm-hmm. for disc off pro tour points. Isaac did, Ricky did, if you include the tour championship. Calvin did, right? Yeah, two elite and one silver. Yep. Uh, Paul did not, but he had one elite, but mm-hmm. he had four total if you count Euro tours. And then Ganabur did. So what so is that? I said, I said each one, but let me count through again. Kyle, it's like six. Simon, uh, Isaac is three. Ricky is four. Calvin's five. Gannon six. So six players have won two or more elite or majors. So I guess my point is Simon is in an elite category. Yeah. Never mind his YouTube. I guess yeah. I'm trying to be like, so I was explaining to my kids last night. They are both sponsored on the junior uh, team for Innova. Team Innova has taken interest in them. My son has a world championship with them. Uh, my other son has played with them for now seven years and was invited on by Paul Macbeth himself, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but back then, it was hard to explain to a kid like what a sponsorship is, right? And so even today or yesterday, I was having this conversation and I said, listen, it's a business agreement where realistically they're buying something and you're buying something. You, they're giving you in this case with my kids, I won't give all the details here, uh, but there is some compensation for tournament um, at the major level. And as well as there's disc allotments. Now it's in my opinion, it's the best disc allotment there can be for junior disc golfers. Um, but it's like here, they will give you this. If you represent them advertising, mm-hmm. you talk about them, you, whether you like them or not, this is what you do. It's advertising. And I said like, Hey, if this is going to be a Patreon podcast too, we're going to talk about sponsorships, how to know when you should get one and why you should get one. And should you get one? Right. And if they're going to give you five discs and a t-shirt, like some people just want to be on a team, but the business deal really isn't fair. Like the amount of advertising value is way more than five discs in a shirt. Right. So, I mean, like Mm -hmm. it's really interesting topic to talk through, but I think at the top highest level, there's way more going into it. And I told my kids, I said, if you can become a really, really good disc golfer, really good, like the top 20, 
and people like you. I said, then you will make money. Yeah. <laughs> like just plain and yeah. simple. You have to, I think if you have both, uh, and I'm not going to throw names out right now in this conversation, but there are players who are really good, but they're not like fan favorites. We can look at the fandom survey and they're not showing up there as people really loving them. In fact, it'd be interesting to see the opposite of fandom. Evan, do they, did they have that in the survey, which was like players you don't like? Uh, you rated every single player, okay. so you okay. get from a zero to ten scale. So That's yeah, right. You can see Do you feel positive are, or negative? Yeah, I remember going through yeah, it. Yeah, I don't think there like there was a specific section for who is your favorite player, right? And you would say like Simon Lazat. I don't think there's I'm a like, section who's, for who's your, your least, least, least favorite, favorite player. player. <laughs> Imagine your name yeah. came up on that list at the end of the year. <laughs> you, you can really find it out, like if the eye opening. Yeah. The number of two or less or uh, rated, or if you just do the lowest average rating, which that was figured out last year. Um, you know, I, we'll, we'll wait until this year's to figure out who it is. Uh, so this, by the way, we went out a few weeks ago and recorded, um, a cool nine hole challenge round me, Evan and Ben and Nick. And I've been editing that, putting some time into that. We're all mic'd up. It's not practice round like Jomez, but it's in that genre. And so if you want to see what it's like to get in a round with us, enjoy enjoy the coverage but one of the lines i stole evan here you go that'll do my friends <laughs> that'll do my <laughs> friends i uh plugged that in here so we can use that whenever we need to to just be like that'll do my friends that'll do my friends <laughs> uh, that, that happened <laughs> that happened after one of the shots i don't know how that's coming through to everybody but it happened after one of the shots it was just such a good time out there that will be coming out this week yeah um, so it's the off season and we're going to bring you, a and there's no promises of how much content, but we are working on stuff here. Yeah. Uh, and this nine hole is it's just under 50 minutes long. Yeah. So if you're looking to yeah. sit down and enjoy something midweek, it's going to be a good time for you. I think you're going to see some pretty hilarious yeah. things. We eat hot peppers and we make people wear bags when they're throwing. And it's just, it's also, like friends playing disc yeah. golf together. And we're also, I just want to shout out these guys. Cause I think they're awesome, but this was also a showcase on the new discology bags that we were able to get through discology. And uh, so go check them out. Discology DG. Yeah, you're gonna see all about you're it. See all the new bags. I actually, I love it. I wore it for my team challenge match. Excuse me, my team challenge match a couple weeks ago. Went two, two for two in my matches. You know, Ooh, I won. Me too, Nick. Yeah, heck yeah. Well, maybe you and I should play each other in a couple weeks. Maybe we should do doubles. <laughs> Good call. <laughs> you and um, me head to heads. Probably not going to be the matchup they pick, right? No, they gave me a 17-year-old uh, the last two years, Stephen Durning. If he's in the chat, shout out, man. Uh, incredible uh, disc golfer already. Young can throw guns. a mile. So yeah. when they put me with someone who can do that. We, we shot second hottest score, and only one other team shot better than us on... Uh, Over at Burgess? At Burgess. So yeah. What did you shoot? Do you remember? 42. Okay, I think that's what Benley and I shot it's last pretty year. pretty good. A couple of years ago. Yeah, pretty good. A, I mean, did you lose with the 42? No. Because... We lost with a 42 or something like there that. There was only one 41 we lost in the playoff. that came in. Yeah. It was probably Harrington and someone else. But No, well, on our team, it was uh, Begley and someone else. But anyways, Sick. they had an ace yeah. to get that 41. Sick. So it's kind of like, yeah. yeah, that tops it off. But yeah. but anyways, I just wanted to shout out the extra content is coming. So stay tuned for that. Because here's the funny thing with YouTube. It's not funny to me, but our channel is podcast. It's us talking heads for two hours. The algorithms don't love long content, but it also tries to point it towards people who are interested in this stuff. So like if you're clicking on us, it usually means they're going to show it to you. If you listen for like two minutes on our videos and don't come back, the algorithms are really intense. So when we put up like a shot by shot video, 
it's not quite sure what to do with it because it's like the same audience that is listening to this talk isn't necessarily the same audience that wants to watch footage uh, or vice versa. So all I'll say is if you see it, you like it, share it, thumbs up it, whatever to help us out. That's great. I don't know how it's going to affect our channel, but we're going to put it up and you can also see other videos that we've done. Um, I think that really brings us to the end. Nick's got a lot going on in his work life, and I think tomorrow he's getting up early. Uh, there's there's so much more we can talk about, but what I'm going to do is save that for next year, next week because off-season talk cannot be every week about which players are going where. So we'll have more talk to come up for you guys. I'll say this. A couple of days ago, I was in the area of where the Florida Open will be. Oh, baby. In February. So, and that's all you got to say? That's all I got to say about That'll that. That'll do, my friends. That'll do, my friends. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Perfect. <laughs> I got to... The chat. Hey, in the chat. Is that loud enough? Does that need to be turned up? Brixton, do Brixton said I need that sound clip. Let me see. And I think Daniel said I like so it. So, do I, I need to put it up louder? Is this better? Let me see. I don't know That'll how do Brixton's going to turn that, Is that sound louder? clip into a card. That'll, that'll do, my friends. <laughs> yeah, that's good. <laughs> that'll do, my friends. That'll do, my friends. At the end of the show or any topic, yeah. just that'll do, my friends. That'll do, my friends, and then boom, <laughs> just cut it out. We won't do our spiel yeah. anymore at the end I'm, of the show. <laughs> I can't wait until people see the context of that. Actually, yeah. when Matt showed that yeah. to me, I'm like, when did I say that? Yeah. But then I once he told me when, I'm like, oh. It was so funny because I'm editing mic'd up. I'm trying up. to think of when it was. I'm editing yeah. the mic'd up round, and so like I hear each of our microphones, and it's funny because I can kind of dial in on a mic and just listen to what they're saying. And that one just stood out to me as so funny when you threw the shot. It was like, because yeah. from my it, angle in the, the camera, second, from my yeah. angle in the camera, it came out like it looked like kind of a poor shot. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but it was like quiet for a second, and you're just like, That'll do, my friends. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> uh, Nick, it was the second hole. And remember, all I wanted to do was not be oh, the worst. Not be the worst shot. Yeah. 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 I can't wait for so that. I'll give you a like, little preview friends. before you leave. Um, so anyways, we've talked a lot about that. We've got more to talk about. We're grateful that everyone joins in every single week. All the love that you give us when we see you out on the courses or wherever you are at Team Challenge. It's funny. Someone's like, you look really familiar really familiar <laughs> I'm like, i've never met you he's like oh i watch you on tv yeah. <laughs> like okay yeah dude i get dude your voice sounds familiar like, people yeah. always turn around they're yeah. like dude i hear you yeah. okay you, you know that like when somebody like recognizes you and they do like that stop and you can tell they're thinking yeah but i don't want to be like oh yeah you know me oh it's from the nick macho or statmando <laughs> but i'd be like <laughs> brixton's uh, it's it kind of awkward i don't know brixton's teasing yeah. us i think they feel bad that they're on our show uh, they don't they didn't give us a card and so we saw other podcasts other media you know we're not we're not legends in the sport nick but they just said in the chat we owe nick and matt a card next so we'll you know, see 2024 if i could there give, see evan yeah. if i could give who my made mom. evan who made evan famous that's all i have to ask who made evan famous <laughs> who did it evan did it himself uh, Dion and hans yeah Dion and hans made you famous that's right <laughs> whose show were you on people first, walk though, around and they're like you're stat mando and uh, how do they know you're stat mando <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, I was on Nick and Matt show for it. I was yeah, on yeah, uh, Smashbox you Remember on who made you famous? Yeah, I thought, for some reason I thought I was on Smashbox first, but no. Was, We're just uh, going to be like, yeah. we made you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It, we, you, okay, someone said this earlier in the chat. We do have a pin. Todd yeah. just said that. Dude, we have a pin, and that's pretty <laughs> sick. A disc golf pin. Yeah. Go order those disc golf pins. People are starting to show yeah. me well, them on their just, bags. Mine just came in. They're shiny. It, they're nice. They're collectible. Um, you don't have to put it on your bag. Just collect it. It's cool. Put it on your desk or whatever. Um, 
But someone in the chat said something about offseason signings. Nick and Matt show by Stat Mando, and I laughed internally so hard because yeah. I said it's really going to be the other way. Stat Mando would <laughs> buy the Nick and Matt show and be like, that is our outlet for stats or like, you know, yeah. segments. Like, I just want to be clear to people. It. I appreciate that you think we're big. I think we do have a good audience. But Stat Mando, as far as like form and function goes, much bigger. So shout out and thank you to Stat Mando for this partnership in an un unformal way like it's really the evan kearns nick and matt but we know that you do all the work with stat mando so we get lucky with that mm -hmm. and we do appreciate that so um thanks everyone for tuning in this week it's weird not having been two weeks in a row it's just a test to see yeah, if the right. internship worked you know yeah. if we need how do you feel or do you want to fire him what do you what do you know no firing <laughs> um we might promote him this next year we'll see what the chat thinks we'll give him a well, maybe his own camera i don't spot. think we can yeah i don't think we can take away his title though but we, we don't just, need like who made, instead who made of this little drop down like yeah. that we'll just maybe give him his <laughs> own made, little spot who made intern ben famous <laughs> he's got to remember that <laughs> oh if he was here right now uh I don't know what he would say, so we'll just let him come back and say after he listens to yeah. this episode. Yeah. It, he's a great guy, dude, too, and he's making his own way. I'll put it that way. Mm -hmm. it, he did say at points how grateful he was to be on the show, but he's also now like inspired and in, in making his own way, which is really cool, too. Um, all right. I think we've got Do there. we have the music? Oh, you want, yeah, you want some music? I guess that's what we do. Everybody, thank you so much for while. tuning in on this wonderful Monday night. Sorry I joined in late, but it was a very, very good and awesome pleasure to be with you all once again. Um, don't forget to like, comment, subscribe on the video. Check it out. Give us a thumbs up. That helps us out a ton. We appreciate all the sponsors that have helped us out throughout the years. Matt, I think you said earlier, episode 162. It is. Wild. Insane. I actually got to listen to that on my way over here. Um, once again, everyone, we, we love you all so much. Appreciate everything that you've done to support the show. It does not go unnoticed and very, very thankful that we get to do this pretty much every single week for people like Evan, Ben, Matt. I, we've put together something that turned out as something just fun to do. We've made it into, I think, a Brandon disc golf. We have pins. We're going to get cards, dude. <laughs> We've got pins. We, we are there. Stickers. We are there. So everybody, once again, thank you so much. Tell someone you love them this week. We'll catch you in the next one. Thanks, Jeff Wachowski in the chat for the super chat and the congrats on my ace. I do appreciate that. Sick. Um, yeah, I guess I guess uh, Ben will be back next week. So you're awesome, Nick. Evan, you're awesome. Great having the interview with Johnny. Yes, Until next week, everybody. We'll catch you out there. Appreciate Peace. you all. Out. The Nick and Matt Show, a disc golf podcast designed for you, the disc golfer. Find The Nick and Matt Show on your favorite podcast platforms or join the conversation live on YouTube.